a golden god! An equal amount of blueberries in each muffin. To a new world of gods and monsters. <laughs> I don't know who's weirder, you or me. You just put the law in my hands, and I'm gonna break your heart with it. Nobody puts baby in a corner. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. There is no Hello and welcome back to Movies for Life. I'm one of your co-hosts, Brian Kuyper. And I'm your other co-host, Michelle Egan. So last Christmas season, and by the way, this will be the last show of our second year of Movies for Life. Check that out. Anyway, (laughs) so we've got a great third year ahead and we've got a special sort of year-end wrap-up that'll come up in a couple weeks. But today, uh, last year we hit the fuzzy, warm traditional side of Christmas with It's a Wonderful Life and Scrooged. And this year we thought we'd take it in a little bit different direction with uh, (laughs) severe eye trauma, Uh uh, killing someone with a tree topper, axes to the head, burning burning alive. alive. Yeah. Yeah. Just like the Um, the really feel good things about the season, you know. Ripping out someone's fingernail. Yeah. Yeah. I guess she does it to herself. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, there's there's really you know just just the things that make you think of Christmas uh, in such a heartwarming way. But we're sort of titling this episode "Vicious Christmas" because we've got a couple of movies for you that are Christmas horror films. So first up, we're going to talk about Michelle's pick, which is my pick is 2007's P2, and mine is my favorite. Uh, Christmas horror film and this has just sort of come up become this over the past couple years and that is from 1980 Christmas Evil aka or you you better better watch watch out out. (laughs) okay (laughs) I like how that's still the title card on the movie (laughs) I know I know I love that it's sort of like that great it's one of those things where um like you watch old exploitation movies and the title that's on the cover of the box is different from the one that's on the movie. I've always loved that. I always thought that was fun um, because obviously these movies so often had different titles. Yeah. So we're going to start with P2, which was a first time watch for me. And it's been a kind of a long time love for me. Yeah. Uh, Just one of those movies that's just a really good, solid thriller. Yeah. And um, just another kind of like one location type of thing that I love only a couple of actors a little cat and mouse game we both said like that the kind of reminded us of uh, mute witness which we yep. talked about uh, earlier where it's just like one location and it's just about going from you know 
place to place and situation to situation, but it keeps it exciting and, and fun and, and interesting, you know, even though it's only in one location. And it's got a little bit of the, uh, it takes place at Christmas and it's got uh, Christmas Eve in the underground parking garage where um, the main character, Angela, played by Rachel Nichols, who is amazing in this movie, is sort of a taken hostage or held captive trapped in this parking garage by the security guard uh, Thomas played by Wes Bentley and so it's just like I said just a good little cat and mouse thriller between the Mm -hmm. two of them and it's just one that I've always I've always really enjoyed just like one of those like fun uh, comfort movies that I can put on even though you know it's always weird to say like a horror movie is a comfort movie to you but this one is because I just I really I've always really enjoyed it um, directed by Frank Calfoon, I think is how you say his name. I'm not sure. Frank, mm-hmm. Frank, um, who Frank. is also known Frank, Frank probably. Yeah, who's also known uh, for doing the Maniac remake, which uh, I actually really enjoy. I haven't seen it. I've been wanting to, but it's become a little bit hard to to watch. Uh, is it? So yeah, I I need to check that out though. I think it. It pops up on Tubi in different places like that from time to time, at least. So hopefully uh, uh, I'll be able to finally watch that one because I've been wanting to see that one for a long time because it sounds really fascinating. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I I think the Blu-ray is out of print, I believe. Bummer. I, I really enjoyed it. I like, uh, you know, people you know, have their own opinions on the, the filming style of it, the POV style, yeah. but I really, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really well done. Yeah, there's so few movies that dare to do that style. I mean, we talked about it on our Citizen Kane episode. That was the original plan for Orson Welles' first movie was to do uh, Heart of Darkness from the point of view of the lead character the whole time. So... Uh, so you would only ever see Orson Welles in mirrors and things like that because <laughs> because he would be the camera essentially. So that's a, that's a really it's kind of a, a daring. I've I saw it one other time uh, in a movie, uh, Dark Passage, I believe is the name of the yes. Humphrey Bogart movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and so I love that, one. that that was a, that's a cool movie. Uh, anyway, that's neither here nor there, but uh, <laughs> so I do want to see it. And also, I got to yeah. say, you know, uh, the produ- the producer on this, I think, also is yes, important to mention because <laughs> it's uh, Alexandra Aja. Yeah. Uh, so that gives you sort of a sense of what kind of movie this is. It's a little bit dirty, a little gritty kind of feeling. I um, think there are certain parts where you're like, yeah, that's the Alexandra Aja of it all. <laughs> yeah. Which is good, though. There's, yeah. I mean, that mid-2000s aesthetic that he... I mean, he really contributed a lot to that aesthetic. I really with, enjoy like all the stuff that he's yeah, involved yeah. in. High Tension and The Hills Have Eyes really, you know, put a definitely gave a lot of that feel. And it carries on into things like he's done more recently, like Crawl. So, yeah, love Crawl. Yeah. I'm also yeah, a big great. defender of Mirrors. I know a lot mm. of people don't think Mirrors is that great. I really enjoy that one. See, I uh, missed a lot of 2000s horror. Uh, I, it, it was just a time in my Including life Including this I one. J- just, yeah, I just wasn't keeping up with it, except for maybe the really, really big titles. I, I saw The mm-hmm. Descent. I saw the Scream movies as they came out. But that was about it. Um, I guess the only Scream movie that came out in the 2000s was Scream Three, Three, which I didn't see until video, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> so anyway. So as a first time watch, what'd you think of P2? 
yeah, again, like you said, it's just a nice tight little thriller. It's mm-hmm. it's doesn't require a lot of thought. It's a roller coaster. You go along for the ride and you have a good time with it. And I did. And good. you can tell, you can see the you know the budget is low and that's okay. But one thing I was shocked by is how gory this thing is. I did not I expect forgot. that much blood. <laughs> yeah. I was like Whoa. I forgot about those parts when I was rewatching. I was like, oh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's there, the Alexandra Aja of it all. <laughs> yeah, there were a couple sequences where I was like, wow, that is a lot of blood. <laughs> the gore in this was crazy, you know, in those couple of sequences. It's just shocking. And it, it's been a while since I've really been shocked by a gore scene because mm-hmm. they kind of happen really suddenly and to me it's one in particular it was really unexpected that was where it was going to go it still works though i think yeah. like, it doesn't feel yeah. out of place or, or too much strangely yeah i think it i think it still kind of works or at well, least it uh, it feels like it ups the stakes you know for the characters uh-huh. character actually yeah just tangela <laughs> and i know it's not technically a cold open because the credits mm-hmm. roll during the opening but the way this movie starts is really it's uh, it's it it pulls you right from this this it gives you a nice gives you a nice jump scare setup yeah. for a situation right from the start because the credits roll director's name comes up and we're we're on the trunk of a car then all of a sudden the lock pops out and we see that there's someone in there and they push the the trunk of this car open and then it hard cuts to uh seeing the city so now we're in new york one of those those things that a lot of horror movies do where it's like we're gonna show you a little tease of a scene that's coming later which Mm -hmm. i sometimes that works for me and sometimes it doesn't but and i i'd almost forgotten about that i always i I always remember this movie as you know starting on it works okay for me in this case yeah yeah it works okay for me in this case because i i think it because the movie does have kind of a slow burn start, it gives you something to to latch on to that you're going to end up with. Um, the chase kind of part of the movie mm-hmm. doesn't start until about, I think, like 40 minutes in. Because there was yeah. one thing that I made sure to uh, to clock like uh, in this movie. That one thing that just like really impresses me about the main character and how they kept up with it. <laughs> She's handcuffed. For an hour of the movie, yeah, an hour of the movie. Wow, which is uh kind of interesting because she's it's like that the thirty seven minute mark and she doesn't take the handcuffs off until the last scene, you know. So the the main character is handcuffed for most of the movie, which I think is is very kind of uh it's really interesting that they made that choice like because usually Mm -hmm. you don't want to like i don't know the right word you don't want to like limit your your character uh that much you know throughout the whole movie but it also is is more realistic Mm -hmm. so really interesting choices there i like this movie is like kind of it feels like kind of typical of like this this era like you were saying like it does have that that aesthetic you know like you can tell that it's from the 2000s but it i think it does enough like of its own thing to uh make it really kind of a standout little gem that people need to like appreciate and love a lot more which is why we're talking about it for this one when um i had another choice that we were going to do black xmas uh mm-hmm. for this one but um this which is I've one that i've also never seen <laughs> oh you haven't i didn't know you hadn't seen that one no oh, i okay. haven't seen that one no that one's fun and i do enjoy that one too i mean that's more of that you know 2000s like gory aesthetic stuff but i don't know this one i i enjoy a lot more and i think is there's a lot more uh, interesting stuff to talk about with this one even though like 
like I said, it's not so much about, it's not like heavy character stuff. There is a lot of character stuff that there's just enough that you can Mm -hmm. get like who these people are and like, you know, what their, what their arc is, but it is mostly just like a situational movie, which is totally fine and totally fine and totally fun to enjoy. And in this case, it's kind of interesting because we have a real situational movie here with P2 and then a very character driven movie with Christmas (laughs) Evil with a movie that doesn't seem like it would be a character driven movie. At first blush, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah, so it just kind of starts um, after that cold open. You kind of get a sense of you know who our main character is. Like I said, her name is um, Angela, played by Rachel Nichols. She's some kind of big finance person. I don't know. Like the conversation she's having on the phone is about like financial stuff that I don't understand. So she's. I mean, it kind of just establishes that you know she's. She's a girl with an important job um, Uh in the city, and she works in one of those, like, big office buildings um, in New York, which I tried to look this up. I think it was actually filmed in, like, Toronto or something, but I swear it looks like the Elias Clark building um, from (laughs) Devil Wears Prada. That's just me. (laughs) At least the lobby does. Or maybe they just all look the same. Again, I haven't but seen that movie. So You haven't seen the Devil Wears Prada? No. Oh, no. It's Didn't funny. care. <laughs> you hurt my feelings, right? I'm sorry. <laughs> but you kind of get the sense, you know, from this first scene that she's, you know, not only just like an important person, but that she's one of those like really focused, you know, work focused persons, like really focused on her job and like doing a good job because she's working late on Christmas Eve and she has plans with her family that she's probably going to be late to you know so that's as, kind of as much as, as you get from the character and that maybe this is something that she you kind of figure out too later on and um, that this is something that she does a lot with her family you know like you know like makes excuses for not yeah. going to spend time with them that kind of thing and then there's a little like tease of something that comes up later when one of her co-workers jim comes in to apologize for something <laughs> that we're not really right. entirely sure mm-hmm. what uh, he's apologizing for yet. And then, yeah, there's a lot of setup after this as to mm-hmm. like what, like what eventually like the, the main story is. And I don't know, it kind of helps kind of establish the, the layout of the building, you know, like from uh-huh. the lobby down into the parking, uh, parking garage and all the different levels and stuff. So that, I think that's pretty smart. And you get a good sense of how the elevator works and yeah. different things, you know, from the security guard that are kind of important as well. Now, there's one thing that I noticed uh, really more the second time than the first time that I watched this was that the it kind of s- is trying to make you think it's a different movie than it is. In some ways, I think it, there's just the way the camera moves, like um, it, it's always kind of lurking as she's going to her mm-hmm. car. Uh, it's behind her or it's from a distance or it's from under the car. There's always this sense of something's going to jump out and grab her because we've all heard, you know, the stories about, you know, someone's in a parking garage and someone comes out at them or someone's hiding under the car and slashes their Achilles tendon or whatever, you know, those different urban legends and, uh, and other just actual crime story situations we've heard. So I think it plays into that really nicely in this opening scene. A lot of different ways that things could turn, you know, so you're not really sure. You know it's going to happen, but you're not sure exactly when it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that I, and and there's this part where like it cuts to the security camera. And the first time I didn't really think about that. But the second time it's like, oh, we know 
who's watching the security cameras. Mm-hmm. So it, it makes a big difference uh, on that second viewing for me. Now, okay, Wes Bentley, when he's introduced, I was like, he's the villain. Because he, <laughs> he has he, his eyebrows. He's got dark eyes. He's got crazy mm-hmm. eyes. I always think just by default that he's the villain. And the movie kind of goes out of its way to make you think he's not. You know, think, oh, maybe he's the character from uh, American Beauty in this one again, you know, Um, (laughs) because I'm sorry. First time I saw American Beauty, I was like, that guy's the bad guy, right? (laughs) He's just got a person by their eyebrows. I I know. I I know. But you you know what I'm saying, though? He's got those eyes. He's got those. He's got that look on screen that's like really intense with his eyes. And you're like, okay. That's that's very villainous eye, eyebrow work right there. That's, you know, like Boris Karloff eyebrow work right there. But yeah, this first interaction yeah. between the two of them, you still don't really get a sense of like what's coming later because they're both they're both really nice and, and cordial and like it's nothing. I don't know. It's like watching it again. I was like, she's she's very polite. She's annoyed like she should be because, you know, yeah. her her car doesn't start. She's got somewhere to be. And he tries to help out and she's just kind of frustrated and wants to leave. And he's like, I'm just trying. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just trying to help you. So he's you can see a little bit of the like the nice guy thing yeah. coming up in here. Like, I'm just trying to be a nice guy. I'm just trying to help out. <laughs> Which... Then he invites her to Christmas dinner. Then he says this line that I think is so telling, you know, that as to what this movie's about. Oh, I, I'm just kidding. Only because I'm just kidding. Only because he sees her reaction. He wasn't exactly. He wasn't kidding. Exactly. <laughs> he was not kidding. He only says it when he sees her reaction, yep. and and that happens multiple times. It's like I'm just kidding. Mm-hmm. You know, trying to disarm and stuff. Oh, it's you see that kind of stuff on Twitter. You see that kind of stuff on uh, just all over the place. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and she has to play it like, oh yeah, <laughs> totally. That it's fine, totally fine. When you know, I think she's a little bit on her guard, which she should be. Uh, yes, and she always she is throughout the movie. I I love her character so so much. The way the way she plays out every single scenario is just is so. Mm-hmm. So smart. <laughs> and I love the way that she's portrayed. She's never one that's not on top of it, even when she's going through like mm-hmm. the worst of it, you know? She's a character, you know, in horror movies, they always talk about characters that always make the wrong decisions. Well, that's not what's happening here. She's making fine decisions and natural decisions. They just don't always work out. You know, I, there's there's more of that. I see, you know, Barbarian is another one that I think that for the most part, she's making reasonable decisions or things that people would do who have a certain amount of compassion <laughs> or, um, you know, and then there was um, the other one alone, the one where she's driving, the lady's driving and she's making all the right decisions, <laughs> but things still don't go right. right. You know, and and so I like that about this. It doesn't fall into the cliches of everyone is just making terrible decisions and that's why they're in trouble all the time. Because especially for the situation that she's in, she has to like consider a lot of different things at one time and make a decision Mm -hmm. at acts. And like, that's something I don't know that I could do, you know, in the moment. You're like, is this the right thing to do? Should I be doing this? I mean, this would be the smarter thing to do, but you have to consider... 
everything else that we'll talk about like when we get to certain scenes like one of my favorite scenes is uh like in their one of their first interactions um so yeah so then okay basically how we get to where the main like meat of the story is is that you know car doesn't start he she goes up to the lobby to call a cab and everything but she can't get out the doors um to get out to the street you know to the cab which obviously Mm -hmm. he thought of because the other security guard that we had met earlier on in the movie carl is not there Mm -hmm. so she has to go back down to the parking level to try and get out all the lights go off boom she's chloroformed that's how we get to um when she wakes up uh, she's in like the security guard's office which is obviously like all nice and decorated for christmas with like christmas lights so again it's like another way of identifying you know like all the different parts of this parking garage like you know that this is the main security office by the way that's decorated and she wakes up it's one of those like texas chainsaw like kind of disturbing little uh scenarios where you know she's at the the table and he's got it all set out with a nice dinner and he's wearing the santa suit that she was taking over when she was going to see her family and just acting very creepy and cheerful for me the most disturbing part about this is that she's wearing very different clothes than she was wearing when she was chloroformed it's she just kind of wakes up as sort of it doesn't she doesn't draw a lot of attention to it the movie doesn't draw a ton of attention to it It was like you just kind of feel the griminess of that thought Mm -hmm. that oh my god she's wearing different clothes like completely and because she, she was w- unconscious yeah like completely because she was wearing like pants and a shirt and everything and now uh-huh. she's in this she's revealing this low-cut dress white yeah. dress and her hair is yeah. down that's another like kind of detail it's like a strange detail that i kind of like and she's wearing lipstick yes yeah, yeah, yeah. red lipstick which yeah that's a- so all of these things that contribute to just this really disturbing picture that it doesn't show you you have to think about Mm-hmm. how it got to this point and what had to happen for these all these things to change and you're just like that is really creepy, <laughs> creepy. And like i said this is a weird detail that i kind of like that they included for some reason is her hair because he's taken her hair was like up in like one of those little messy buns and mm-hmm. now her hair is down but it still has like the bumps in your hair like when you take your hair down <laughs> girls sure. know this it's just like a detail that kind of it's very much more realistic to me yeah but yeah she's she is so calm uh, at the beginning of this and i don't know how i don't know how she is probably from mostly from the drugs too but yeah, yeah. but yeah being aware of like everything that's happening and she does make a, a mention of like what happened to my clothes and he doesn't answer or her he says like her clothes got dirty or something because she fell so like uh, this whole scene at the at the dinner table is really yeah really disturbing and mm-hmm. again i'm just like i'm so impressed with like everything that that she does like the way that she never she does like uh say things with authority to him like you better like fucking let me go but she doesn't like freak out and start like screaming and crying and yelling like she still is very cool and I think because of the way that he's acting, like she knows that she's got to play with him a little bit, you know, in that gross yeah. way. You got to placate him, you know, and yeah. be do it in a, in a nice way to uh, even though 
as we learn later on, like that, you know, he, he never, he had all this planned. There was never any intention of yeah. letting her go. No, no. And it's great the way that they do the reveal of the way that she's chained to the table, you know, uh-huh. like she's going to be sick and then she falls over and there's a big chain around her ankle. Oh, and we were introduced to Rocky. <laughs> That's part two. His Rottweiler. Dog. His Rottweiler. Yeah. That's a Rottweiler, uh-huh. right? <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, think so. I think so. So just just that scenario. And I thought going into this, I kind of wondered, was this like a short film, this little scene that they expanded? There's a, there's a lot of sort of these set pieces that could be that are almost like this could be a short film, you know, sort of stuck together. And I don't mean that in the sense that there's no sense of the story being linear because there is. It all makes sense. Everything leads from one thing to the next. But each setup, each sort of uh, scene very much has its own, I I guess, short film kind of feel to it where it could work in that way. And that's kind of fun because every every scene sort of has a has an interaction and a build and a climax and everything that you would want. And um, it's really effective and it. And it makes for the story to f- pass really quickly. It's actually a longer film than I felt. Yeah. It's 98 minutes. And, and I it felt like, oh, yeah, this is just like an 80-minute movie, right? You know, th- that kind of a s- movie. But it really just clips along. And mm-hmm. uh, that's one of the things that's really effective about it. Yeah, that's definitely true about... It's, I think it's the very definition of like kind of the roller coaster where, yeah, every scene has yeah. like a high point and then it drops down and then we go into the next one, you know, like she yeah. she gets away to a different place. Like we have a scene in the elevator. It kind of goes up and down there or we have the scene like um, underneath the car, or, you know, with the dog in the car, like, you know, playing uh-huh. playing chicken when they're both you know driving later on. Yeah. They- yeah. And that's essentially what my notes ended up being was. Oh, there's the scene with the dog. Mm-hmm. There's the scene with the with the phone and the fingernail. There's the you know the, yeah. the those all those kinds of things that that are laid out. But this scene has more of like uh, a little bit more of the character stuff, like slow burn. Yeah. Um, he's doing the way that uh, Wes Bentley is. The, I think what the character that he's trying to play is that kind of like adorable, you know, loner kind of sure. guy. You know where he's. Uh-huh. He's like um, trying to make little jokes, you know, <laughs> which um, in a different scenario, like would still be kind of weird, you know, because he seems very shy and like not sure of himself or something. You know, he's he's trying to play a little bit of a part and he's pretending like they're on a date or something, which is weird. Mm-hmm. And yes, you know, she's again, she's being really smart in the way that she's handling him because she's being nice but also (laughs) like trying to assert you know that i have you know i have i have obligations you know i have a place to be you know maybe we can do this do this later because she's i think she's reading him a little bit wrong uh at first you know because she doesn't you know she hasn't seen the the full extent Mm -hmm. of like what he's capable of or like what his what he's actually done before right before this that she doesn't know about yet you know yeah yeah so i mean which is not her fault like she's still trying to figure things out and how she can get out of this she's really doing the best that she can and she like just everything that she does in this scene i think is the right decision because she tries to um Mm -hmm. do that thing you know where um okay if i if i can't appeal to him 
looking at me as a human, then I'm going to use the, the boyfriend scenario, you know, sure. make him scared uh-huh. of another man that could possibly come in and ruin that. But, and she does, right. she's obviously lying and she's like coming up with uh-huh. these details like so quick. She's really good, but you know, he's, he's on top of it too. And that's the only time where it gets, uh, not the only time, that's like the first time where um, you see, you get that little glint of, you know, that, you know, he's obviously not, the sweet guy that he's capable of a lot more. And then he makes her yeah. call home, which is a right. scene that's so, that's so hard to watch. <laughs> yeah. Cause he makes, yeah. uh, he makes her call home. Um, so, you know, nobody you know, worries about her obviously. And like calls the police or anything and puts it on speakerphone while she's talking to her family. And then he just kind of like slowly like comes up behind her and he first like plays with her hair. And then he's like, got his hands on her shoulders and then he puts his hands around her neck while she's trying to she's crying and like Mm -hmm. trying to talk to her sister and it's just so heartbreaking because you can hear that's where you get kind of more of the character stuff because you can hear the people in the background they're obviously having like a big christmas dinner and they're all waiting for her to show up and you can hear like um i think her sister's name is lorraine and i think you can hear like her husband or somebody say like you should be used to this like your sister does this kind of stuff all the time because she's you know, saying that she's not going to be able to make it, that she's sick. Yeah. You know, so you, mm-hmm. and then when she talks to her mom on the phone, and her mom is being so sweet and understanding about it. Yeah. And this is where you know you have you can't really question her decision because yeah, she could very easily say like help me, <laughs> like real quick. Yeah. But then mm-hmm. he could also kill her before any help arrives. So she's got to be thinking of that yeah. too. Well, I mean, he's indicating that he will strangle yeah, her exactly. <laughs> <laughs> pretty clearly. Yeah, exactly. So, so uh, what do you, what did you think of that? <laughs> well, just like you said, it's just, it's very disturbing. It's creepy. It's scary. It's, it's one of those things that you can, okay. She does a really good job of helping us feel her emotion. She mm-hmm. elicits a lot of empathy in her face and everything. And I think it's it's well played. You were very much in her shoes for the duration of the film. Mm-hmm. For me, the, the the most memorable scene is is the next one, though, where they get in the car. Well, before um, he sh- he gives her a present, right. yeah, he shows her the tape. That's right. I'm, I got to admit, I don't, my notes are real spotty on this. Okay, so, that's fine. Uh, I got I it. <laughs> I've got the sequence of events, so just in case we get okay. lost anywhere, okay. we're good. <laughs> okay. We don't have to go plot point by plot point, but I think I mean we got We got to set. I think this. it would it would it would it would take a long time if right. we did. Well, we do have to set this up though first. So yeah. he gives her a little Christmas present, and it's a videotape. Like, what are those things? Yeah, there used to be these big tapes that were like video yeah, right. cassette. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah. But it's security cam footage from the elevator at like the office Christmas party That's or, right. or whatever. Yes. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. is the coworker that uh, Jim that you know came into mm-hmm. her office in one of the first scenes and like apologized for something. He was obviously drunk at this Christmas party and assaulted her, tried to kiss her in the elevator. Yeah. And Thomas being like thinking that they have this kind of relationship and that he's in love with Angela or whatever feels like he's got to do something about this. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, this is when he's going to like, uh, undo the chain around her neck. She she tries to fight back at him and stabs him in the the shoulder blade with a fork, which is like, ew. Fork. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That doesn't work. She doesn't get away. Um, this is when he, he handcuffs her. He handcuffs her at the 37-minute mark. Uh-huh. And she stays handcuffed 
for the whole movie, which I think is just still, I don't know why. I think that's incredible that they made that choice, you know? Yeah. Uh-huh. So he handcuffs behind her back, yeah, and they take her. She says they're going for a little drive. Yeah, so the drive down to P3, and just all of a sudden how it just turns the corner, and there's Jim duct taped to an office chair. It's just sitting down there. That's like, okay. <laughs> so we are in serial killer territory here, aren't we? Mm-hmm. So this is a wild scene. Yeah. You know, she... He essentially is trying to convince her to beat the shit out of him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she's she's like, well, because in that opening scene, she's fairly understanding. She's like, yes, you were drunk. I forgive you. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. But I kind of get it. And I don't feel the need to ruin your life. I know it's not going to happen again. Yeah. It's not so, an excuse, but... Okay. You acknowledged no, that, no. yeah, but yeah, but you acknowledged that you did something wrong and you accepted it and you apologized, yeah. And he's and she understands he's that more than just a he more than just apologizes. I mean, he's like really regretful. Mm-hmm. He's like, you know, I know you don't want to see me, and he's regretful right after. <laughs> you can see in the elevator party, like he, yeah. he realized he, yeah, yeah, fucked up yeah. again. Doesn't excuse what he does, but. She and he knows that, yeah, and he knows that too. And what matters is that you know she doesn't want to see him punished, you know, it's her decision, right? Right, it is her decision in this case, yeah. This interaction with her and Thomas in the car in this scene, too, is also, yeah, really, like I mean, you mentioned serial killer <laughs> vibes earlier. He he pulls a uh, something right out of the, the playbook there when um she starts uh she starts using his name a lot, saying yep. Tom Tom, and he. That's exactly a, a tactic that people use, and he he says it. You're trying to humanize yeah. me, yeah. Humanize yourself. Trying yeah. you try to get um the the person to see you as a person. Yeah. So you try to connect with them, and he, he said like, oh, that serial killers know that tactic. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're dangerous. And he has a line here too, like when they're just driving, he just says really casually, "I've watched you drive out of here so many times." You know, when they're just kind of casually driving, like, down the parking garage. And, like, that's just one of those things that's very creepy. Like, um, you never know who's watching you, you know? You never know. Right. You know, she ha- she barely even, like, I don't, maybe she didn't even know this guy's name, like, before today. But, mm-hmm. and he's had this whole, like, scenario playing out in his head. Like, you never know, like, who's watching you, who's obsessed with you secretly, who knows things about you that they shouldn't. And it's just a very creepy feeling. That is, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. This whole trying to coerce her to beat him up is, uh, is an interesting sequence. And she's like, "All right, I'll do it." But then, <laughs> obviously, she has ulterior motives. <laughs> she's thinking uh, this might be her opportunity to get away, but it doesn't work out. Uh, <laughs> now he's like, "No, I can't ask you to do that." So he. Uh, he instead beats the living shit out of him with like a, what is it like a billy club something like that or yeah. something like that and just oh man the gore in that he's bloody 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 and she's freaking out obviously yeah. but you kind of think that's the end of it but then oh no <laughs> when jim is killed when they that is one of the goriest things i have ever seen in a movie ever <laughs> and it was like jesus christ it was just yeah. unbelievable <laughs> Um, because you know, I had forgotten that it goes that far in the chair and just smashes him against the wall with the car, and just the blood just like flies up 
hair the way it does. It splashes all over the windshield and everything. His it's, intestines um, come out. <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's pretty nuts. Uh, I did not expect that at all. Yeah, and it was just sort of like, whoa, hello. Uh, this is not the movie that I thought it was, uh, which is nice, you know, to have it be something that is unexpected happen, you know. Mm-hmm. And it seems like a lot kind of early on in the movie you know before anything like yeah really bad has even happened you know with her uh-huh. but you need that to know like okay this is how dangerous this guy really is this is what this guy exactly. is capable of well and that great line you know before that even way to ruin christmas asshole. <laughs> yeah <laughs> which comes up a couple of times yeah it's just like it's a I don't know it's a funny line, <laughs> but <laughs> even there is sort of a dark humor to this movie. Absolutely, too, that is yeah. It's like the dark uh, uh, the the dark side of uh, Christmas coming. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I always think I was just like the the Elvis scene. That's what we get to. The, the Elvis scene is fantastic. <laughs> I love that. That's actually one of my favorite scenes yeah. in the movie. Even it's just sort of a solo scene, uh, but. And I'm usually not into movies where someone lip syncs, but in this one, it's, you know, like we were talking about a practical magic where they're singing, dancing around the kitchen scenes, you know, this is kind of like that, but in a twisted, twisted way uh-huh. that is so funny and so weird <laughs> and so kind of creepy. Even with this, you know, wild thing that just happened, she's watched this person get brutally murdered right in front of her eyes. Like she's still on top of it. She's slowly like. You know, taking off her shoes and, you know, trying to figure mm-hmm. out, like, how to get out of the car. And this is when the real, like, kind of, like, I keep saying that, like, the real cat and mouse things uh, starts the when chase. the yeah, chase part of the movie mm-hmm. starts when she mm-hmm. she gets out of the car and she skedaddles away. So she spins most of the movie not only handcuffed but barefoot Yep. in this, like, concrete parking garage yep. on Christmas Eve, you know, and... So in December in New York, so it's probably cold there too in the, yeah. the flimsy little white dress. So she goes yeah. through now it. The, now the one thing I think I, I I missed is she goes from having her hand her, her hands cuffed behind her to them being in front of her. Yeah, there's um, a there's a part where she does the thing where she she she's she scoots over it. She scoots okay. it out of it. Yeah. Okay. That I I don't know why I missed that. But I did. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> that happens before so, the thing with the. Before she goes back yeah. to the office. Okay. So that's when she goes back. She makes her way back to the, the the security guard office where they were. And she meets up with Rocky again, like climbing over the table mm-hmm. to get to her phone. Yeah. But yeah, there's, there's another like one of those like little visceral like horror moments that she hates when she's trying to get better service on her phone. She sticks her... She sticks her- her handcuffed yeah, hands like through the little grate, drops the, the phone of the, of the, of the, the gate, you know, uh, out to the street and drops her phone and she's like trying to reach for it. And there's like, there's no indication that this is going to happen. It just like happens. And I have to close my eyes. I, I, both times that I, I, I rewatched this. I did too. I, yeah. I, I, I closed my eyes when I knew that it was coming because I hate this when her, like uh, the fingernail on her, her middle finger pops off. Like, yeah. Ah! <laughs> I cannot and then stand she has that. To, then she has to peel it off the rest I don't, of the I way. don't watch that either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, ah. Because, okay, I, I think I talked about this when we did uh, Black Swan, the <laughs> fingernail thing. And the fly, I know we haven't talked about the fly, but in the fly, when he's pulling off his fingernails, to me, that is the worst 
that is the grossest part of either of those movies is, is, I mean, forget about, you know, all the weird other transformations and flesh falling mm-hmm. off and stuff like that. It's the fingernails it's that the fingernails. are gross. Let's face it. <laughs> because we've all, we've all caught our fingernail and had it rip or had it, you know, bend in the wrong way. And it hurts so much. <laughs> so we, because you have that, that sort of frame, frame of, of reference, yeah. It's just makes it excruciating to watch that. And it's awful. <laughs> so, everyone I mean, has their I think, thing. Yeah. Fingernails are my I know, thing. Yeah. I know Mike Snoonian has said the same thing. Mike Snoonian, is, I remember him talking about Black Swan or something like that. And he's like, when it hit the fingernail thing in Black Swan, he was like, I'm out. <laughs> because it was just... <laughs> it's it's the worst yes. it's the worst oh gosh i i stuff which we said you know is coming up in yeah, both we'll, of these we'll, movies we'll is a that. thing yeah. throat stuff for me is a thing like people getting their throat slashed or anything like that like i don't i don't like having anything oh, okay. like touching my neck i can't my wear neck. necklaces yeah i, yeah. I, I oh, don't man. like it so anytime there's that a, stuff happens there's a, there's a scene in smile that would make you freak out uh, okay <laughs> it, it is the most is the most drawn out throat slash i've ever uh, seen in my life no i don't like that <laughs> okay uh so anyway then we have the elevator scene, anyway, which i really like the elevator scene yeah this is really good and again you have that line i was just kidding from thomas and it's like uh, or when, when he's uh she thinks she's calling like help in the little, you know, the little uh-huh. call call bucks in the in the elevator and calling right. the, the security company when it's really yeah. Thomas doing a goofy uh, accent. Mm-hmm. He, yeah, he does a thing where it's like, well, I'm just trying to help you. You know, right. you should. I'm I'm the nice guy in this situation. What about the guy? Uh, that's the whole thing about um, the whole thing with Jim that he gets. He's so angry at Jim's like you fucked up, asshole. And like he should pay right. for what he did. You like we find out later kind of that he pretty much did the exact same thing. And yeah. that he's also traumatizing her way more right now. But yeah. he's in that nice guy mode so much that you, know, you, can't, you can't see it, which is just disgusting. That it really is. Yeah. You can't see that. The end, yeah. um, he fills up the elevator with water because I mean, that's a very... Very smart thing that she could do. She could just like stay trapped in the elevator, you know, until until help comes, until someone else comes. But yep. got to keep things moving and <laughs> and yeah, poor it keeps Carl. the story going. But yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's like you know both of your characters. They say you know a hero's is only as good as your villain. Well, you've mm-hmm. got a good hero and you got a good villain in this, and so smart. they both they're both really intelligent and they know. And they're thinking through all these different scenarios mm-hmm. uh, to get to their ends, you know, whatever they are. And uh, even though they're opposite from each other, obviously, right? And I think that is really well done uh, throughout the course of this. And that was, that's what makes this sort of a cool, tight thriller, you know, is that you've got mostly just these two people that are just really smart, that are sort of matched as far as wits and mm-hmm. intelligence go and they just have to are pitted against each other for 90 minutes that's real makes for yeah. a really cool thriller when the villain underestimates his victim but you know yep. that kind of mm-hmm. thing is always cool to see and it also yeah. makes me wonder too like how much of this and for how long 
he had planned out. Yeah. Because he obviously had things planned out, you know, as a, how to trap her um, in the building so that she had no way to get out, even from the lobby. Uh-huh. You know, but how, mu- how much of those little scenarios did he think of? Or is he, yeah, is he just thinking on his feet the same way that, that she is? That she is? Yeah. I think you there's a little know. of both going yeah. on. Yeah. He's like, he's uh, obviously I mean, been he, watching. He had a plan, and 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 his plan has not gone gone yeah. the way he <laughs> wants it to. Right? Because he he just assumes, I think, that she's going to play along, mm-hmm. that she's going to beat the shit out of Jim, that she's going to join him in his sick, twisted games, you know. And she refuses. So now he has to think on his feet how he's going to take care of that. I think he's trying to convince her still to join him in a weird way to fall in love with him. I don't know if that's what he's trying to do. It seems like it. Um, I mean, I mean he's, he's really deluded if that's the case. Yeah, he's just one of those guys who's but, made up a whole relationship in his mind, you know, already yeah. with her. Mm-hmm. Or just that but, he's convinced himself that he's in love with her, quote unquote. Right. He's not. Yeah. So it's sort of the fixation, the obsession, and yeah. he's just, uh, and yeah. So it's. <laughs> it, phew, phew. <laughs> Well, yeah. well, after she escapes from the now, I, I do have a question because this is the blue Christmas scene, which is I love. I think this is so so fun because he puts the he has the little Elvis statue that he's on the record and he's playing and he's lip syncing to Blue Christmas. <laughs> he's got blood all over his face and his uniform, and there's a picture of him on the wall of him dressed, dressed as, as Elvis, Elvis. Yeah. <laughs> which I think is the. My one of my favorite touches of the whole yeah. thing is, you know, he thinks he's this superstar, this massively important individual in history when he's really a security guard in the basement <laughs> of a New York, uh, just a, another person, a nameless person, essentially, in this. The only reason we know his name is because he has his name tag, you know, even. <laughs> On his coat. Yeah. We don't We don't know his last name. But she is working her way back up from the basement. She gets a fire axe and she starts knocking out the security cameras. Now they go blank. There's no signal. But then they switch back on. Are those like other cameras that take over? I don't get that. I don't really. That's one of the things where I'm like, I'm not really sure what's going on here. Because wouldn't it just say no signal? I guess I don't once, know. Once those are all knocked out, but or she hey. was just doing all the ones on a certain level, or was she going by level? I think she was going by level. Yeah, yeah, no. and it, it, it's just it, that that was one thing. I'm not really sure what's going on there, uh, but they I don't try. Know that it sometimes it does get a little confusing. Exactly where they like they try to they they try to include I think shots where you can see it says like p1 or p2 or p3 you know but, yeah but there's a lot of like changing between the levels especially in in this part where she's escaping like she gets out of the elevator she hides under the car there's that uh-huh. there's that little moment and then she like you know escapes you know through those little grates you know to get to different levels so sometimes sure. it gets a little confusing exactly where they are and what's going on but yeah that might yeah. be like like maybe something like a backup thing has come on. Yeah, or I was kind of wondering. I don't if, know. 
because it because it gives it sort of the sense of like in speed where you know we're recording this <laughs> loop and and you know we're just going to loop it through there yeah. so that but we're but we're actually doing this so they don't know that we're there kind of thing that's the that's the that's the one thing where i'm just like there's some there's like a technical thing that wasn't mentioned here <laughs> that i so i don't it's, know what's going on <laughs> brian it's a movie <laughs> it's uh, it's movie it logic. Is, it is. It is. It is. As Hitchcock said, logic is dull. <laughs> yeah, like I was saying, there was another um, little kind of character beat um, uh, before that. That part where she's like hiding. She's like hiding under the car um, yeah. for a second, and he's trying to like you know, he's playing with her and like letting the air out of tires, trying to you know. But he's talking to her the whole time, like annoying, mm-hmm. like serial killer guys do. And you get the in movies thing. at least, yeah. <laughs> and he has those lines where you kind of get a little bit of where he's where he's coming from. And again, not a good excuse at all for what he's doing, but he kind of has that thing where he's like, "Everybody wants me to be alone," you know. Like I'm here on Christmas Eve, and everybody else has these plans to go be with their families and everything. And that, I mean, that's. That's kind of his uh, thing for why he's doing yeah. all this and why he's feeling this way. Which, yeah, loneliness well, can make you do crazy things because it really gets to you and really messes with you. That's not let's, a good reason. <laughs> let's face it. Thomas is an incel before oh, God, that was yeah. a thing. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So, I mean, it's very much a Travis Bickle kind of sense to this, you know. That he is entitled to something that everyone else is wrong, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. He's lonely and he likes this girl, so she needs to like him back and spend yeah. time with him. Yeah. There's even a line when he's like, uh, when she's trying to say, you know, like, I have, I have places to be. I have obligations. I have plans right now. And he just says, well, I guess plans, some plans were meant to be broken, right? And it's just like so not in touch you know, yeah. with anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's yeah. absolutely, that's, that's the perfect way to describe his character. He's basically an incel <laughs> before it was well known as that was a thing. Yeah, before it was named yeah. as that, yeah. And then the police finally show up. And and it's another kind of like, um, uh, I, I like the when... Um, well, she, even before that, though, when she gets into his office yeah. and she sees the videotape playing of him putting the lipstick on her mm. and she just smashes the TV with the axe. Um, that's, that's like, uh, that's like her. I'm not going to take this. That's this what I was going to say. It, yeah, man. Yeah. This is, this is the moment where she's taken to the next level of, you know, she's, it's sort of a hero's journey. Cause she's been through at this point, she's been through the, the hell, you know, she's been mm. down in the basement. She's risen up and she's stronger than she was before she went in, mm. you know? Um, so that's a typical element of the hero's journey is going into the cave and coming out stronger. And when we talk about Rambo, uh, the first, first <laughs> blood, we will definitely go more into detail on that. I'm sure. <laughs> Cause that oh, is, yeah. follows it exactly. Uh, yeah, that's anyway. definitely a big, a turning point, I think, for her. Yeah. I mean, it's also showing Thomas's hypocrisy because, like, he, yep. you know, watching uh, that video of when, she, yeah, when she was unconscious and he's like doing all these things, mm-hmm. like, I love you. And like, your skin is so soft. And he's like clearly, you know, fondling her breasts and everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
which is like okay so you were mad at jim for assaulting her you do realize that is also assault you are assaulting her yeah uh yes <laughs> so and i yeah the, the look on her face you can just kind of see is like that's when she just gets pissed <laughs> like she was already pissed but i think she's like beyond now you know yeah. it's <laughs> like way to ruin christmas asshole <laughs> and she hits she yeah. and she yeah but unfortunately but yeah, just sort of sort of sort of like her her uh just the primal rage that yeah. you sense in her when she hits when she swings that axe mm-hmm. at the tv is is a great moment understandable yeah <laughs> uh-huh but unfortunately like he shows up behind her and tasers her and that's when we get to the where he sets up you know where what we saw in that cold open that's when he yeah her in the truck yeah, she's in the while trunk, the police yeah. uh are there and like they're just kind of doing the rounds you know going um he cleans up real fast and goes out to meet them and again putting on the nice guy act for them while they go and they check things out they don't find anything and then um <laughs> She gets out of the trunk. The she's running after the police as they're as they're leaving, and then Thomas is standing there with Rocky on the leash. <laughs> yep. And you know what's what's coming. She knows what's coming in that moment. She starts running away. He sends Rocky after her, <laughs> and this is the part where the movie might lose some people, and you know whatever. <laughs> It's He's kind a of weapon. my feelings. Okay, at this I know. point, at this point, that Rocky is a weapon, and she has to survive. Yeah, that's my feeling. Destroying the weapon, and I'm sorry. Yes, the hero kills a dog. Yes, because I mean, it's a Rottweiler that's obviously been cha- trained to attack. And yeah. so it, yeah, the dog is just doing what it was trained to do, and mm-hmm. she's just doing what she needs to do in the situation. I think she goes. I she think breaks. in this. The, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I, I think there's also the sense that the dog is an extension of Thomas. Yeah, that's all I was going to say. I'm sorry. I, that I makes sense. Don't yeah. know why I jumped in there uh, <laughs> on top of what you were saying. I apologize. Go ahead. No, I was Go just explaining. Like uh, she, you know, gets into the back of a car, and you know, it's a very like close quarters you know thing and the dog jumps in after her yeah she has to do it i'm sorry so she kills rocky she stabs him in the neck or whatever with the tire iron that she used to get out of the trunk yep so that's a lot of blood yeah <laughs> again it's and a the very, dog you know sort of it's a very vicious the dog kind of the dog. <laughs> wakes up and you know it sort of it's, tries to attack her again and she just sort of beats it to death um yeah. but it's it's uh pretty intense yeah but you know, I, I think that again, depiction <laughs> is not the same as you know endorsement, right? So it doesn't endorse the killing of animals. No. It's just saying this is <laughs> in this situation, she had no other choice. They both had an advantage, and she mm-hmm. unfortunately won the fight. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, yep. So. she had to defend herself. It's true. It's true. Might I add, like all this stuff we're talking about, like, once again, she's still handcuffed. That's true. That's just, she that's just that's like right. uh, when I watch this movie sometimes. That just like blows my mind because normally in a movie mm-hmm. like that, like you wouldn't want to like uh, limit your character uh-huh. as much as that because usually there would be a scene where she finds you know some way to like uh, break them or she tries at one point when she gets into the the rent a car place to you know use. Uh, a little file or whatever it is to to get them off and yeah. it just that just kind of amazes me that uh, she's able to do as much as she does 
while being handcuffed. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, uh, what's weird is I wasn't even, at this point, she's been handcuffed so long, I wasn't even thinking about her being handcuffed mm-hmm. anymore. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, it's good to be reminded of that fact. Well, I mean, you kind of get um, it when she... um she gets into the car. She she there's a rent a car place on one of the levels, uh-huh. and so she gets the keys to a car, and they you watch her trying to drive <laughs> while being handcuffed. Obviously, you know causes some some issues, and then yeah. they have their little uh, game of chicken that they play. It's uh, a great scene. <laughs> when yeah. He gets in the car too. Yeah, she's she's like pissed off driving right yeah. now. I mean that's <laughs> that stunt driving that she's doing uh-huh. crazy. So good. I mean, obviously, it was a stunt person, but <laughs> it was actually doing the driving. But but uh, it's it's so good. It's so much fun. Because there uh, is one turn that she makes, like a really sharp turn that you're yeah. like, there's no way she could have done that while she was handcuffed. <laughs> no, but logic is dull, right? right. So we're, <laughs> so we're coming so up on the end to watch here. this yeah. scene. Yeah, yeah, we are. She crashes the car. And so she kind of pretends like she's out. He comes over and like I love this. I love this final moment because and I... <laughs> this is one of those movies where it's like you see where the, the main character starts off in the beginning and just like the way that they're just like so physically like fucked up <laughs> by the end because yeah. with her, her hair's down, nice uh, white dress that she's wearing. And now she's like covered in blood and she's all bruised and dirty and she's just like fucking done and you can really see that come out like in this last uh confrontation with thomas when she's pretending to to be out in the crash car when he comes over to her but then nope she's got her little the little thing that she used to try to get the handcuffs off and here comes the eye trauma oh, stabs him right in the eye with it up yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> geez, just stabs him right in the eye and they show it and it's it's sort of like for me okay the the one in zombie the lucio yeah. fulci movie with the big splinter so is probably the slow. most ex- so slow that's yeah. probably the most excruciating <laughs> eye trauma scene i've ever seen sure there's the one you know in unshian andalu the dolly movie where they cut the eye in half with the uh the razor blade that one still is effective <laughs> even though it was from the what early 20s or before I've, I've seen that that part before yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh gosh it's so gross and <laughs> and and but this is up there this is pretty bad i mean this is <laughs> one of those where i'm like because they show the thing like stuck in his eye and his eyes like <laughs> yeah. open <laughs> God. and i don't know i don't know if it's a fake head i don't know how they did it but it looks it looks really good and yeah. it's yeah i I don't like eye trauma stuff really bugs me because there's like because I, I watched Dead and Buried uh, mm-hmm. this this last year, too. And there's a famous scene with the syringe yeah. in, in that movie. Yep. Oh, anyway. So filmmakers stuff- just yeah, they know that very well that people a lot of people can't stand that. And it feels like yeah. they were just really playing with us sometimes. And it's like, God damn you. That's messed I up. <laughs> I know. So eye stuff, fingernail stuff. And uh, like Achilles tendon yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, those, yeah. Those tend to be paper cuts are really bad. You know, <laughs> I, I know that Mike Flanagan does teeth a lot of stuff. hand trauma. Teeth, yeah, teeth. There you go. Um, Mike Flanagan does a lot of hand trauma. Yeah. Which I'm kind of like, that's pretty bad. But, you know, that's <laughs> just because like he hands. hates hands. He clearly. like hands. <laughs> yeah. 
But the fact that, okay, then, then you know, just the gasoline and she sets him on fire and he burns to death. Merry well, I mean, Christmas. He does, yeah, he does the thing Way where... to ruin Christmas, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> He's doing the whole thing. Like, oh, I love the way that she just like, she like chokes him with the handcuffs and is just like, oh. Yeah. Like, again, she's like, she's, she's pissed off and she's done. She finally gets the handcuffs off her in this scene and puts it on him and handcuffs him to the car. And he's doing the, the whole thing again. It's like, oh, wait, wait, I'm always alone and I'm, I'm so sad and alone. And then he makes the one, a, a very big grave mistake as she's walking away and just going to leave him handcuffed to the place. Right. And that's that he calls her a stupid fucking cunt. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Not not, smart. not a good idea. Again, I love I love the way that this plays out and the, just the way that she says it. And she kind of slowly kneels down with she's got the taser, and it's one of those um, where he can see that he's fucked up. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Merry Christmas, Thomas. And you can, I love the way that it's just like he has to like slowly watch the fire come towards him, you know, and he's just like whining yes. like a little bitch the whole time as he should. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you watch him burn alive and she gets out and that's the end. Another one of those movies I was like, it's over when it's over, you know? Yeah. I mean, she they just show her running down the street, fade to black. We're yep, at you the can credits. hear the cops being like, hey, lady, yeah. are you OK? And so she's obviously going to be fine. And that's it. Yeah. Uh, one of my, my fa- one of my favorite things about this movie though is the credits. Yeah. <laughs> because the after all of that uh the credits play and they do a really funny thing where there's like they take stills from the movie like of Thomas and of Rocky that make it look like it's like a Christmas rom-com movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where it's like all pictures of him like smiling and like <laughs> looking sweet. It's I thought really that was funny. I yeah. thought that was hilarious. <laughs> so that's yeah, P2. That was funny. Um, I love that movie. I've always thought it's just like we said. I mean, it's just a really good, solid thriller that uh, it's got great actors, keeps things interesting and fun. It's a little unexpected with the gore, and it's just I think it's a good time. Love that one. Always have. Yeah, it's a good movie. It's a lot of it's a lot of fun. I've watched it a couple of times uh, over the past couple weeks, and yeah, glad I picked it up. So I had to buy it on DVD. It was not very expensive. It just uh, wasn't playing on any streaming platform that I could uh, that I could watch it on. So yeah, I got it as a. I got mine. Had a had another disc in there of it's like trailer park massacre or something like that. (laughs) So that should be fun. So we'll we'll see what that is. I don't know. I I figured it was like two bucks more, so I might as well just get both. <laughs> I'll let you know how that one goes. I'm very How's curious that? now. Yeah, I'm really glad yeah. you liked it. Yeah, it was. I'm cool. Glad I picked that it one. It was cool. Okay, so shifting gears here to my choice, which is like I said, this is my has become very quickly my favorite Christmas horror film. And what's funny is I first saw this many many years ago. I mean, more than twenty because I was at my parents' house. And I think it was on TCM on Christmas Eve. I expected that it was going to be like Silent Night, Deadly Night, which I hadn't seen at the time, honestly. But I knew about it, of course, and things like that. And so I just thought it was going to be Santa Claus killing people movie. Right. And I was thrown because I hadn't seen a lot of low budget exploitation at that time. I mean, 
if you want to call Friday the 13th and stuff like that, low budget exploitation, you can. But those movies look different to me than this. You know, this is a movie that the money that they had on hand to make this movie was not much, right? But what? considering I that, tell at all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like when he tumbles down the the snowy hill at the end, and all the boxes fly out. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know that that was. That's rough. <laughs> that's that's one of those moments where I'm like, I don't even care. Anymore. I know. <laughs> I'm like, it's it's like I don't care. This movie's too. Or just the factory the... itself is so. Yeah, I know. I know. It's the but most low budget factory ever. <laughs> totally. But the fact that everything that is going into this movie is such thought behind it. I know. On the page. Uh, as far as its themes and everything that it's going for, it sort of makes all that stuff go away for me. Uh, all the limitations of it kind of disappear because they're definitely there. <laughs> but uh, so the first time I watched it, I didn't care for it. I thought it was it was just not what I was looking for. Years later, I saw Silent Night, Deadly Night, and I was like, I don't like this movie. That's a mean one. <laughs> I, yeah. It's a really nasty movie, and I've grown to kind of appreciate elements of it, but overall, I don't really like Silent Night, Deadly Night. I love Silent Night, Deadly <laughs> Night Part 2, however, yeah, because it is so over-the-top and bizarre, and it kind of has this dark, humorous streak running through it. That, I don't know, it's just, it's never boring, it's weirdly entertaining, and it's not mean like the first one is. So the, that's my Killer Santa movie <laughs> of choice outside of this one. But but this one is different, and I think the key to it was actually listening to Pure Cinema, Elric talking about this movie. Elric Kane was talking about how his first interview that he wanted when he started podcasting was uh, Lewis Jackson the writer director of this movie mm. because he just wanted to know who made this great character study killer Santa Claus movie. Yeah. And that's kind of like, okay, maybe it's worth going back and revisiting. So I picked up the vinegar syndrome, Blu-ray syndrome syndrome, uh, Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just kind of floored by it. I, I went, wow, this is, because as I've mentioned, A Taxi Driver, I think, is a really fascinating film. Uh, one of my favorite Scorsese films uh, up there with Goodfellas and Casino. Right? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're welcome. Uh, but it's about, you know, it's a study of, a, of an individual and why, what would lead them to doing something horrible like is depicted in this movie. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was just fascinated by this movie. And then it's got that bonkers ass ending <laughs> that everyone talks about. Uh, we will spoil the hell out of when we get there because we need to talk about that oh, yeah. damn ending. I, I just have, every time I watch it, I like it more. I, I wrote a piece on it for its 40th anniversary two years ago for Bloody Disgusting. And it went from like three and a half or four stars to five just because I really had to dig into it and go, this movie's really got something going on. And I just think it's incredible. So that's sort of my experience with it. Yeah, I hadn't seen it at all until you started becoming kind of obsessed with it, uh, but in a good way. <laughs> and We're talking about obsession while we're talking about an obses obsessed movie. Yeah. No, in a good way, though. It's it's cool when you find yeah. a new movie that you kind of become fascinated by as if it's been there, you know, the whole time. All along. Yeah. 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 
and I I hadn't seen it yet, and I yeah had the same feeling about it that I had heard of it, and I thought. Yeah, that it was another Silent Night, Deadly Night type of thing with the killer Santa. So um, I don't think I was in, I wasn't like in a rush to go see it or anything. But seeing how much you really liked it, I decided to give it a chance recently. And I had, the, yeah, I had the same reaction. I was like, wow, this is really trying to do something completely different. And it's doing a really damn good job at it, even though, yeah, it does have some budget issues that you can absolutely sure. overlook though like pretty yeah. easily um because the the yeah the thought that went into the movie and the acting especially by the main guy is just yeah. is so much more I, I don't like to say this but it feels like it's so much more than what the movie seems like it deserves <laughs> you know even though right. it, even though it does it absolutely does because they they put the thought into it but you know just when you see something like this low budget like you kind of wish that it had they had had more more to play with or that maybe it might have been a little bit more well known than it is or more more seen because it's it's definitely one that deserves it because it's not doing the same thing that all these other um you know christmas movie not all these other but you know like the the well-known ones like silent night deadly night are doing with like killer mm-hmm. santas and stuff it's doing something completely different and it's, it's it is very fascinating so i had yeah i had the same reaction i think this is a this is a great like little standout christmas horror movie for sure yeah i mean it's i hesitate even to call it a killer santa movie no, it's because not really. no. yeah it's it's something oh man you really get under his skin but you're still sort of repelled by him uh i think brandon maggart uh fiona apple's Apple's father (laughs) yeah uh by the way as everyone seems to point out uh, (laughs) which is just like wow that's an amazingly weird thing uh that this guy you can't mention uh, christmas evil about someone saying that's fiona apple's dad can you believe that yeah (laughs) yeah can you believe it but i i think that his performance is striking it's so subtle i mean it's in a way, it's as good in this ultra low budget movie as De Niro's is in Taxi Driver. I mean, that's probably sacrilege to say, but <laughs> I think he's doing such subtle stuff in this movie. He's committed. He's totally committed. And it, it's just remarkable uh, that, you know, unfortunately, he, his career never exactly took off, but he um, is just so good in this and there's some scenes in particular that i mean you you empathize with him but while still it strikes a balance though it's not i was chatting with you a little bit about this yesterday this movie taxi driver the king of comedy you know scorsese does a good job of of these kinds of movies where you have sort of the lone loser and p2 (laughs) No, he's too. Yeah. Well, that's 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 a little different. That's a little different because you're not really. Yeah. yeah, you're not really put into the place where you want to, where you know them and understand them. But the thing is about these movies, you know these, you understand these people, you get to know them, you follow them, you're with them, these antiheroes. But you're always repelled by what they do. Mm-hmm. Still, you know, even though you get it, you're not forced to into empathy with them in the same way that you are. That's one of the problems I have with a movie like Joker, where you're supposed to feel sorry for this guy. And it just feels gross. Whereas this, it's like, I, I, I understand Harry. I understand Travis Bickle. I still can't stand them. 
<laughs> you know, you know. I think, I don't it, think Harry it's, is it's, as it's, bad as Travis Bickle. No, no, Harry's not as bad as Travis Bickle. <laughs> but but there's plenty of stuff in this movie that's like you're you're given these these cues of this is weird and this is creepy. You know, mm-hmm. uh, there's a scene where he has just seen the kids out on the stoop. And he, he loves this little girl named Susie, who's so cute and so nice. And, you know, she's on the nice list. Then this other kid says, I want a year subscription to Penthouse Magazine. And he just goes, Moss Garcia. You know, he, he can't yeah. stand this naughty, this naughty kid. And it cuts then to these pictures of like old fashioned pictures of Santa Claus, where Santa Claus was scary, you know, where yeah. he would like boil, was like the judge over these children or and he would put them in sacks and things like that. And then it cuts to this photograph that he has of Susie. I know. And that is like the creepiest thing. I so know. you're constantly reminded that this guy is not someone to emulate. But at the same time, you're kind of like, I, I see what has driven him here. Yeah, but he has those moments, especially the scenes when he's alone, especially yeah. the scenes when he's looking in a mirror, I think, is yeah. when he really, mm-hmm. uh, you get those little glimpses of what's what's going on or what um, y- you can sort of feel a little bit of empathy for him because he's obviously yeah. not well and needs help, you know? Yes, yes. But... Uh, but he's he's the best um that this actor is just the best and i think in those scenes um when it's just yeah. him by himself oh, and he's kind of going through it you know i was fascinated by those moments absolutely absolutely i mean so the way this starts you know with the i saw mommy kissing santa claus <laughs> moment so to speak uh it's more like uh, santa claus was uh kissing um <laughs> <laughs> kissing mommy um <laughs> Uh, so I love the way too, like with these ultra again the ultra low budget movies. Like the movie just fucking starts, and there's like nothing yes. beforehand at oh, all. I know. And it's always I know. like it's, just, it's, it's always like, like so shocking. The, it's a shot of the house, Christmas Eve, nineteen forty-seven. It's like, oh. it's like oh, we're just starting the movie. Okay. <laughs> One thing I never noticed after all the, until this time, this last time of watching it, was that the brother Billy Bill. Uh, played by Jeffrey DeMunn, lives in the childhood home. Yeah, okay. And so I, I never realized that. I didn't until, catch that either. Yeah, until this time. It's like, wait a minute, that's the same house. Oh, as, okay. As was from the, so he lives in the chi- their childhood the they, home. that they grew up in, okay. Yeah, and Harry, you know, lives in this ramshackle apartment. And Harry is the older brother, right? Harry's the yeah. older brother. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's important, too. It really at least, is. At least to their dyna- dynamic. Yeah, and it's so odd because after they they his father and it's clearly his their father has staged this Santa Claus thing and there's a there's a sense of unreality to this all because he comes it's down so through weird. the chimney. Yeah. He comes down through the chimney, which obviously wouldn't be the case. So there's a sense of this is Harry's memory of this and not the reality. Yeah, because it's him and his brother and his mother like sitting on the stairs watching their father you know, play out the whole Santa Claus thing. And yeah, you wonder how much of this scene is a memory or a, uh, yeah, like a, a, an alternate contrivance. A, yeah. Something that he's conflated his in his mind, yeah. in his imagination. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. there's things that happen that are, are very realistic and things that happen, you're like, well, hold on a second. <laughs> What's going on yeah, with that? 
shoots up the way the he shoots up the chimney they, the way that they like disappear mm-hmm. there's like a shot they just kind of like disappear off of the stairs like that's a yeah it's a weird it's just a tra- hard cut yeah it's yeah, a weird transition mm-hmm. and then it shows uh billy and harry in bed in their room they're in separate beds in their room mm-hmm. and harry the older brother is saying no, there's no way that was daddy. And yeah. Billy's like, of course it was daddy. He's six, right? And he's like, of course it was daddy. And and that's the key moment, though. That's the key moment that I think throws a lot of people off because they assume that what Harry sees next is what causes this obsession. But I don't think that's it. Um, because I think what Harry goes down, stares again, and he sees mom in her stockings being felt up by Santa I think he suddenly goes, oh, wait a minute, that is dad, isn't it? I think that's what he's thinking. Okay. I don't think he's he's thinking that it's like Santa Claus is, is feeling up my mom. I don't think that's what yeah, he's... Yeah, I don't think it is. I, I, don't think th- it's, I don't think that's what it is. It's the shattered illusion of It's the shattered Santa, illusion. It's Santa like, Claus, wait a minute, yeah, yeah that, that, that is, is my dad. dad. Yeah. Yeah, because it, it, it comes back later in the movie. And, you know, I, I think I'm just going to say it now because when... He confront when Harry and Billy sort of have their altercation at the end of the movie. He says, it was you, Bill. The first time it was you that didn't want Santa Claus. I wanted all my life to prove to you that you were wrong. So that that's what the whole thing is about. It's not about the fact that he's everyone fixates on this sort of sexualization of Santa Claus as being the thing that makes him obsessed with Santa Claus. But I don't think that's I don't it. think so. It's that he's been wanting to bring Santa Claus back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's wanted to make Santa Claus a reality. Yeah. He says, you never did believe in me. He's so convinced by the end that he is Santa Claus. I think that... Uh, you, yeah, you're one of them. You're one of those people out there. You don't believe in anything. All the children love me. And then <laughs> then Bill says, you're blaming me for something I said when I was six yeah, years I <laughs> old. Uh, that's such a great moment. And we'll get into that more in detail yeah. later. But that that's the moment that that is important you know then they have that citizen kane shot of the of the snow globe in the foreground (laughs) yeah i mean it looks almost exactly the same as the snow globe in in citizen kane (laughs) it's got the little house on the inside of it and the snow and everything and then he cuts his hand with with the glass and the blood and everything that's just sort of you know that opening is that's that's a cold open if there ever was one and that and that very thick bright red paint looking 70s blood what no that looks totally like real blood we're talking about (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah anyway but yeah i think that's absolutely what that that's how i read it the the first time i watched it that it's not he wasn't traumatized by the 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 sexual nature that he saw you know with, with santa claus i think yeah it was the reality that it wasn't real because i think if that had been the case i mean that's the kind of thing that makes you grow up and you would expect the the character to grow up and have an aversion to christmas but when we see, you know, um, in the the next scene, you know, that he's got Christmas shit like all over the place. Yeah. That's when it was like, OK, no, it's that's a different kind of obsession. It's trying to make this thing a reality again. Yeah. It's trying to. Mm-hmm. Um, that's pretty much yeah, it. And- Sorry. <laughs> and everything else after that. Sorry. I- that was pretty much it. He was trying, he's trying to make Santa Claus real in his mind again like it was when he was a kid. Well, and everything that he does is about feeding this illusion down yeah. to his job at a toy factory. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and and he's apparently good enough at his job 
to be a foreman. He's not just a floor worker. He actually is like a supervisor of some sort. He's got his own office. So, I mean, he's stable enough to hold down a job (laughs) for a long time and have real responsibility in it. Uh, which I find interesting. But then there's also the fact that he spies on the neighborhood kids with (laughs) binoculars and writes their names down in naughty and nice lists uh, that he keeps from year to year. Um, That is really, really creepy. Right, at all. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. One of the things, though, that I do find interesting is that it never, there's never any hint, to me anyway. There's no sexualization or like weird, like, pedophilia shit going on it's all very in his to him anyway it's all very innocent mm-hmm. you know he's just seeing if they're naughty or nice because santa knows if they're naughty or nice and i'm santa so in some way at least so i should know yeah that was the hard thing to kind of uh, grapple yeah. with when i was watching i was like okay this is creepy but not in the creepy creepy way like yeah. even the way that he like talks to them like yeah with Susie when he he sees the kids on the stoop and he's like you look beautiful Susie and it's like nah that's not cool she she does her little curtsy (laughs) she does a little curtsy yeah and he's he's spying on them and just like uh, (laughs) the notes that he writes about the kids just still crack me up Um, negative body hygiene I'll never forget that (laughs) (laughs) oh it's so funny though I mean that's that's a weird that's another thing I think there's some really really twisted dark humor in this oh absolutely but yeah, that's never, I never got that, even though it's, it's very wrong and very not cool. Yeah, um, it, yeah there, there's never, it. there's never a hint of that kind mm-hmm. of creepy going on with him. Right. Like and he's been doing it for years because he has all these volumes from different years I know. <laughs> that are, that are stacked up there. It's like, okay. So anyway, he's, and he, uh, his pajamas are Santa pajamas yeah. and everything. He goes and plays Ugh. with the shaving cream. Again, all those little mm-hmm. moments when he's by himself, like he's just, mm-hmm. he's in, you can see how into his delusion he is yep. or his obsession. Yep. Playing with the yep. shaving cream. The like, shaving cream and it look, like he looks like he has a white beard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and then uh, we see, you know, he works at the Jolly Dream toy factory. They really, and he's always, he's harping about how cheap the toys are and how the quality has just gone down and kids deserve better than this. And he's right though. Those toys look like he's shit. totally right. They are absolutely terrible. Um, and <laughs> again, I just thought that was funny. Like the the factory setup is like wow that's so low budget because it's like literally yeah. like a single like two conveyor belts and people just yeah. stand there and add a little thing to the toy's hand. <laughs> it's like ah yeah and you know there's definitely a strong criticism of capitalism streak going through sure. this movie uh, where you've got you know people. The toy factory only there to make money, not being willing to make the donations and all those, like to the children's hospital that's Mm -hmm. that's nearby. And I just find it all it's so there's a lot to be mined out of this movie, all the way through. And then there's also just this idea of the exploitation of workers, but in the sense that they take advantage of him Mm -hmm. (laughs) so much, like that his coworker Frank convinces him to work for him that night and so he takes his shift on the on the assembly line but then as he's leaving work he goes by the bar and there's frank in the bar talking about how he hosed uh harry into into working for him that night i think that's uh 
you know, and then he goes home. That part where he goes home is so scary. And he, like, where he just kind grabs of the doll. Flips out. Yeah. He grabs the doll and he starts humming Santa Claus is coming to town, like really, really angrily. Angry humming mm. of Santa Claus is coming to town. That song's already creepy. Um, <laughs> but then he squeezes the doll so hard that he breaks it. There's just more with his character, like in his interactions with like, the, co- the co-workers too. Like, yeah, yeah, he is stable enough that he's you know gotten a promotion to this job. He used to just be a line worker. and But there's mm-hmm. like now there's like animosity between, you know, his co-workers and, and him now that he's like, oh, you got the cushy office job now. And yeah. they, they see him as kind of a dork and obviously a pushover if, you know, he can get yeah, him. Take advantage of him. He can get him to, to work his shift and kind of playing into what they see as because he was talking in, yeah, in that scene before before about you know uh, i miss the the connection or something with the toys like actually you know helping to make the toys and it just you know they're they're playing with them that he's a little dork for yeah. for thinking that you know yeah so he's obviously not got a lot of friends and yeah he's definitely a, a loner and he's got this obsession that keeps him from making real connections with other people yeah and i i made a mistake on on his brother's name it's phil Bill. Yeah, not I was wondering. Bill. Not not Bill. Well, it's because it's because that. Op- do you know? Do you know why it, it does that to me? Because in the opening scene, he calls him Philly. Oh. <laughs> and so it, it just I Sounds I just like hear, yeah. heard, okay. heard that as Billy, yeah. and it seems like every villain ever or every Christmas movie, Christmas horror movie, whether it's Silent Night, Deadly Night, or Black Christmas, has to have a Billy in it. <laughs> but. <laughs> It's just, just the way it goes. But in this case, no, it's Phil. It's Billy's Phil, are bad people. Play, played by, <laughs> now we know. played by. There you go. <laughs> played by Jeffrey Demun. How um, amazing was it to see him in this movie? So great, isn't I it? I couldn't believe it. I love it. I love it. You know, because I mean, if you've seen Shawshank, if you've seen Green yeah. Mile, if you've seen The Mist, if you've seen The Blob, I love him in The Blob. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have a very big role, but I love him in that the remake. Oh man, he's so he's he's just great. He's one of those sort of reliable character actors Absolutely. that yeah. you're just always happy to see him. Uh, and here. Boy, he can get it. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's he's some doing those scene where he's doing those push-ups there, and where he's you know sort of getting it on with his wife there on the uh-huh. on the couch. Yeah, <laughs> he's a fine specimen in this film. And um, you have a crush on Jeffrey Dunn? How imagine that? I guess maybe I do. I don't know. His but, wife's really cute too. Yeah, Diane Hull as Jackie. I'm gonna say it definitely helps to have a recognizable face in this movie, um, even yeah. though, like, yeah, he's giving his all to this, you know, um, even though it's like this kind of movie. Like Harry's doing the same. I guess I forget the guy's name. Who's playing Harry? Brand- Brandon Maggard. Brandon Maggard. <laughs> yeah. um, they're both just like I-, I just love seeing that in in this kind of movie. You know that they're just kind of mm-hmm. they're giving it their all as if it's like this uh, uh, such a yeah bigger budget you Absolutely. know more important if it movie was a, mm-hmm, or something mm-hmm. that's just always nice to see and it really helps to um to drive home like what they're actually trying to do with his character a little bit better and you know this this scene is obviously where he's voyeur sort of the voyeur of his uh brother and his family is really really disturbing too <laughs> but it also gives you this sense uh, he wanted that mm-hmm. and he didn't get that so he's jealous Again, I mean, it's kind of an incel kind of situation where he wanted this life. I don't think he feels as entitled to it as as a, someone like Thomas in P2, 
but he's on the outside looking in kind of character. Let's put it mm-hmm. that way. In this case, literally. Yeah. And there are a couple of shots that I noticed this time around where the way he looks at grown women, not children. He does not look at children in any kind of sexualized way. But there, when he sees attractive women on the television and things like that, there's sort of a look that he, on his face. You know, it's sort of a Norman Bates moment. <laughs> I guess, okay. uh, where where he's just kind of clearly aroused by the situation or whatever. There, there's not a lot of that in this movie. It's not like in <laughs> he's not railing against women like Travis Bickle. You know, right. maybe they're in a union and they're all against me kind of thing at all. But there is a little. You can tell that's a missing piece from his life. Yeah, yeah. That I think it ultimately is he wants family. He wants a wife and he wants maybe even more than that he wants children he wants children that are near to him and has that connection with and he is so jealous of phil it's uh obvious well because that's a that's a hard dynamic to be in like like i was saying the the difference you know that he's the older harry is the older brother and philip is the younger brother it's like it's usually the older sibling that uh-huh. you know goes on exactly. and, and does all the normal like you know life milestones you know they get married and they have mm-hmm. kids you know and it's the younger <laughs> kind of like me and my sister honestly that kind of goes a different way so he probably feels like incredibly I don't I don't know the right word just like he he missed out or that he did something wrong with uh-huh. his life that he wasn't able to do that and his younger brother was when really he's the one that should have done all of those things first yeah and you know you get the impression that I mean is and the fact that he's living in his parents house you know it, it's like did they was it an inheritance that was passed along to the younger brother it's it's just kind of a strange yeah. idea you know is, or was this it is like something an agreement or did they that- just have nowhere nowhere else to shoot and so they just used the same house i mean (laughs) that's probably more the case (laughs) more likely the case but but you know you can sort of wonder about some of these things yeah like was it an agreement you know because he was the one with the family that he's the one that should live in the house you know and harry got left out of that that would suck Mm -hmm. too there's a there's a very much a fredo and michael situation here it's like i'm your older (laughs) brother mike and i was stepped over right yeah (laughs) it's not what i wanted anyway the macy's thanksgiving day parade yeah i think this is one of those key moments too where you see him depressed on the couch watching this thing and this is one of those moments because it's weird that they choose the shot of like one of those uh like baton twirlers they show this that has this expression on his face where he just kind of sits up a little bit and sort of looks a little bit more intently and the shot that they show is this woman in kind of a skimpy outfit you know as one of these baton twirlers and i was just kind of like huh that's that that just kind of i, I hadn't really too. thought about those things before but it was just like you know what i'm talking about though right i noticed that too i was like what? yeah odd okay yeah, yeah, exactly. And so there's there's a little hint. I mean, it's very subtextual in this of that sort of sexual repression yeah, kind totally. of bubbling up a little bit. Because in his mind, you know, having sexual thoughts is naughty, right? Mm-hmm. Having impure, impure thoughts. thoughts. He writes impure thoughts, yeah. Uh, we, we <laughs> Damn Moss Garcia looking at that penthouse. Moss You're Garcia. Bad kid. <laughs> yeah. 
this is also a really sad scene to me too just uh, again for his character when he misses out on you know it's thanksgiving day obviously with his yeah and he's invited over yeah he's invited over and you know the brother's not really into it and the wife is really nice about him he's like just be nice to harry this time you know like this is where all he has you know we don't Mm -hmm. don't make fun of him for you know like anything and he still calls enjoy the time with his his nephews and things like that yeah and Mm -hmm. he still has to call and says he can't make it because you know he's he has to watch the parade and see santa and it's just that's so sad well and then he just turns up the the sound really loud while they're on the phone together mm-hmm. and phil thinks that it's his own his tv because it's yeah. on so loud it thinks it's his kids it's not even loud dad oh uh, but the lines that the announcers of the parade say are really important the most important star of the whole <laughs> thanksgiving parade you know the is santa you know and the most generous man in the world the one everyone has been waiting for and it's just this sense of him just wanting to have importance and wanting t- for he wants to be santa because santa is important and he views him as the most important being in the world, and he wants to be that. He wants to be someone that matters to anybody. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Which is very sad, uh, but I but I think it's also really poignant because we see that all the time. You know, people who want to build a following and have fame and all those things, you know, scream for, I don't want friends. I want fans. Fans. Can you imagine Harry in sort of like the age of Instagram and social media? I mean, this guy would be, you know, have 27 followers and be looking at, you know, some blue checkmark person and being like, I want to be that. I want to be that. I want to be that. Mm -hmm. That's what I see uh, a little bit here. And it's it's rough to watch him go through this, but at the same time, how he's trying to go about achieving it just makes your skin crawl. So, where do you think? Um, do you think that was always his obsession was becoming Santa himself, or at least, or just keeping the idea of Santa real? Like when do you, I wonder when like that switch happened where it was yeah. like I need to be Santa, or I can do this. I can I can bring him back if I become him. I, I think the turning point is honestly where I can be Santa. It's like I'm most of the way there already. I think it really goes over the top when it w- with those announcements with this really? particular okay. Thanksgiving parade because that's when he actually starts building the suit and starts sure. making yeah. the toys and starts painting the sleigh on the side of his van. Uh, before that, it's like, I work in a toy factory. That's kind of fun. I really love Santa. I really love Christmas. I have all this stuff in my room. I love children. And then uh, where he deci- when he decided to start spying on the neighborhood kids, I mean, that's, that's a weird one. Uh, I don't know when that <laughs> happened. But because, uh, I mean, it, it's... It's a gradual process, but then there's this flip of the switch that sends him. And then after he puts the beard on and he's saying, it's me, it's me, I'm really him. I love that scene. Yeah, it's the best scene in the movie and uh, in a movie full of great scenes. It's where uh, it goes from Santa is great to I can be Santa to I am Santa. Mm -hmm. And by the end of the movie. And so it's a gradual change, but... 
we don't see most of it either. We just kind of see the last two flips of the switch, I think. I just hadn't thought about that until just now yeah. <laughs> I was watching yeah. it. Like, like when, um, when that mm-hmm. switch actually happened and why he decided to um, make the chance that he's make the choice that he's got to do this now, this year, this uh-huh. Christmas. He's been building up to it the whole time. Yeah, well, I mean, he starts making the suit and everything like that, the padding and the real fur and everything. The padding is kind of like, so if he, someone tries to attack him he has protection in a way is what it because he's like hitting himself yeah he's hitting hitting his leg it's like it's almost like batman building his armor you know it's really got a weird superhero quality to it uh sort of like early stage superhero quality to it and again another mirror scene with him and he's just kind of playing with the mustache and the eyebrows and putting mm-hmm. on the wig the wig and mm-hmm. just watching himself is it's very creepy but also um i don't know that's just where you can see like what's going on kind of internally like what he's yeah trying to become santa claus and he's uh, it's sad and it's it's weird and it's creepy like all at the same time like it, like you were saying like you, you understand him but you're also kind of a little weirded out by what he's doing yeah the whole time yeah well and, and the part where he's coming home from grocery shopping or something like that and the kids sort of call to him say you know hello and all this and uh he, he waves to them it's like what do you want and he says i wish i was super magic mm-hmm that's where he says to Susie, you look very pretty, and she does a little curtsy, and then Moss Garcia <laughs> yells out, I want a subscription to Penthouse Magazine. Um, and Moss Garcia. Uh, <laughs> what a great name for her. <laughs> it is. I love that. I love that. But I mean, he goes to his house in the dirt I on know. his face, and he marks the, marks the house. What? And then he's hiding in the bushes, and he reaches out in front of his face at him but then that when <laughs> when his mom slaps him i know it's like oh my gosh <laughs> she just bah. so um i don't know i, I it's just yeah patricia oh it was uh uh mrs garcia it's, it was uh Patricia Richardson, uh, who has a pretty extensive film career, actually, she was like a television actress too. The name so sounds she was she was she was someone I recognized. She it says here that she won four times for the Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Lead Actress in a Comedy Series, and twice the Golden Globe for, for Best what? Actress, <laughs> Home Improvement. I knew it. Okay, I, I thought that's what it was. I. I like okay. Yeah, I was trying to make sure I was like yeah. making sure I was placing her right because I was like, swear that was, I was like, shit, home improvement. Yeah, <laughs> okay, got it. And so she has that really, really small part, but it's just kind of one of those funny <laughs> things. Um, yeah, but the way she slaps it, it's just like, Damn. yikes, lady. Okay. Oh man, uh, before we get to the Christmas party, mm-hmm. this was another one of my favorite little moments with yeah, just Harry by himself again because he's just, um, he's at his lock. The, there's a Christmas party at work. At the factory, and he's mm-hmm. just like looking at, at himself in the his locker mirror, and yeah. he does this really again like kind of creepy weird thing where he does the he practices his little Santa thing where he like you know, touches his finger to the side of his nose mm-hmm. and smiles, and then he does that thing where he like wipes his hand 
like kind of down in his face to where his expression yeah. changes to where it looks like kind of sad but also kind of sinister at the same time mm-hmm. and i don't yeah. know it, I, mean, I swear like this actor is just like absolutely killing it and like all these little moments uh he just he, he elevates this movie so much i, I was just like so, really so, does. i was just so surprised it was just like all those little those little touches that he he does that really makes you um just really forces you to look at like what what this character is like what what are his motivations like what is he thinking is he a bad guy is he a good guy does he have like good intentions like sometimes you don't really know like especially in a scene like Mm -hmm. this like i don't really know like what he's thinking is he thinking he's gonna be a bad santa or good santa still because now i'm not really sure i know well even before that they show him making the toy soldier like out of uh, out of lead or Mm -hmm. aluminum or something like that and they show before that these shots of all the swords in the hands of the toy soldiers and so if he's making them out of metal that means the swords are going to be metal too and so he makes that's what comes up later on okay which comes up comes (laughs) up our severe eye trauma for this movie yes uh will be (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we'll be coming up before too long. But that office Chris- Christmas party is actually kind of hilarious, too. It is. Um, There's something I didn't notice until like the second time around that I just, it's like a weird little detail that I found just absolutely hilarious. Like there was a scene where he's just talking to all the guys, and it, it seems like a pretty tame christmas party but like when he's talking to these people you can hear like subtle like little crashes in the the background like as if someone's like dropped a glass or something it happens like a couple of times i thought that was just a weird little detail yeah and there's another detail that i kind of forgot about it shows when he's in his little workshop you've talked a lot about in previous episodes about how someone's environment reflects their inner life Mm -hmm. what's going on in their head yeah yeah, all the toys that he's got in that garage are like puppets that are holding weapons and dolls that are pierced with nails. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's this sinister side that just so briefly shows. Because, I mean, most of the... I mean, he's got some kind of creepy dolls and stuff like that inside his house. And he's got sort of the freaky pictures of Santa as well as the nice pictures of Santa. But it's out in the garage where the real darkness lives. So we just kind of are led on to the fact that this capability of the naughty and the night, the sort of the, the good Santa, the jolly St. Nick that we know of is also infused with sort of the, you know, what derived from like the Krampus legend is in there too, that uh, Santa was frightening and there was something which in my recommendation because i thought of my recommendation uh we talked about it goes along with that really plays into that well uh so that's just one of those uh little details that i sometimes even miss because it's pretty fleeting uh, in the movie the Christmas party has like the funniest line of the whole movie too. Yeah, what's that? <laughs> Wait, I now I forget what he what he was even saying. But uh, Harry's talking to one of his coworkers, and he just goes, "I'll tell you, Harry, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about." <laughs> and just, right. I don't know the way he says that. Just like cracks me up every time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's a really interesting a little nod to uh, when he sees us on the TV. There's a thing with, um, I guess it's like the CEO or something of the company is like giving some kind of message to the people. He's got like a palm tree behind him or whatever. Another kind of mm-hmm. like capitalism um, yep. comment. But then there's also 
a thing on the TV for the Willowy Springs Hospital for the kids, right. which like immediately mm-hmm. like something I have never ever forgotten that I've seen. Like this is a nod to like a real uh, the Willowbrook uh, State School yeah. mm-hmm. that um, was famously investigated by Geraldo like back in the early seventies, and I've seen that footage of yeah. The, the kids in the hospital, which is I, that's one of those things that you see that you never forget. And I could definitely mm-hmm. tell that that's what they were referencing in that because the footage that they show in this of, you know, because that's where Harry's going to bring, you know, presents to the kids and stuff later mm-hmm. on. It, it's, it's very much reminiscent of that footage. And even the, the newscaster looks like Geraldo with the mustache and everything, too. So, yeah, that was yeah. an interesting <laughs> little like uh, nod to something from real life that this movie brought up. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. So when he steals all the toys off the assembly line, he just sort of grabs all the bags and heads out <laughs> there and steals all the stuff and loads it into his van. But at the same time, you know, it's not even necessarily entirely just capitalism. It's like the commercialism, the commercialization of Christmas as mm-hmm. well, I think is a <clears throat> is a key theme of this movie that it just has become about making the cheapest, chintziest, crappiest stuff possible and pushing it out to the public that it's just going to and it's just going to get broken. And so they just need to buy it again next year. Yep. I, I think there's an element of that in there, too. I, I, I think that's because I, I think. I'm trying to remember if I think there's a, a I, I might have been in an audio commentary or an interview or something like that on the disc where they kind of talk about where the director talks about some of those things being in his mind when he was making this just the commercialization of it all. And what would happen if someone was really, really disturbed by all that? What lengths would they go to to counteract it? Yeah. So, I mean, and outside of like, uh, you know, because obviously I've heard my whole life as a religious person, you know, people who freak out, it's like, where's the Christ in Christmas? This doesn't even go there. It doesn't, there's no, um, it's all. Yeah, it's not even, a religious it's, thing. It, it's not a religious it's, thing. Uh... It's just, yeah. And so I, I'm glad that they go that route. The fact that it's not a religious person who's trying to That's true, be, yeah. To, to get back to the heart of what Christmas is. I think it's uh, just the idea of goodness and kindness and what Santa represents is not all that far off from some of those ideals either. Giving and yeah. caring and kindness and those kinds of things. So well, That's kind of that's, the same thing we talked about with like mm, Midnight Mass where like the, yeah. the focus of religion really should just be on being a good person and being mm-hmm. good to other people. That's it's kind of the same thing that yeah, Christmas and Santa represents yeah and and i I like that it's done from a secular standpoint i think it makes it more i don't know it it it, i think it works better because i think it becomes more universal for a lot of people that way Uh, and it continues to be effective now uh even in as uh, the nation has just become you know less religious over the last 40 years so um yeah it's it, it works really well so the, then we get to the next day, Christmas Eve, and this is this is the scene that you were just alluding to uh, with the beard in the yeah. mirror. When he's gluing the beard on and just, oh my God, just the way that he acts it when he's, he glues the beard on to his face and he's pulling at it and it's not coming yeah. off and he's real. And it's like, you can just see what's happening. It's like, I'm becoming Santa Claus. 
you know, yeah. <laughs> because it's not coming off. Like it's a part of me now. Like I, I am. That's he. Oh my god, I, he just kind of floored me in that scene. That I think that was the turning yeah. point when I was like, okay, this movie is. I thought it was good before, but now this is really good. And that line, because after because he's he's like tearing up. He's mm-hmm. so excited about this. There's like a so manic joy, it. is what I wrote down. Yeah, yeah. that's what that's it is. a great way to put it. Um, but then he just sort of stops and looks for a moment, and says. It's me. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he's feels like he's he's becoming this this thing that he always wanted to be, and for real this time. But you know, then he starts breaking into homes and leaving presents, uh, broken toys for the naughty kids, and nice stuff and bags of dirt for bags Moss dirt. Garcia. <laughs> That's a good one. That's so mean. And then the toys to the hospital. That's the big thing uh, for him is he he's met with suspicion, you know, by the guard. And then he they welcome him and hey, look at this. I got enough toys for all of you. We need a whole crew of people to bring these in. So, but it's compliments of the jolly dream toy factory. Yeah, and it starts snowing, which makes him. Which also just feeds further into exactly. his delusion, right? Yeah, because it feels like a Christmas miracle moment, you know? And yes. I think he's he's really, like, feeling that in that moment. And he's like, oh, I, I've made this happen almost in a way, too, maybe. Re- exa- oh, I think that's exactly what he's thinking, yeah. is that he is responsible for these coincidences that right? occur. <laughs> And it's a very happy scene, you know. They're all so grateful, uh-huh. you know, for all these presents, and it's one of those like feel good, like hallmark moments in a Christmas yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> then it kind of turns let, it on let's, its head. <laughs> let's uh, let's go to church and let's do the punishing <laughs> side of this. Yeah. Uh, so he's waiting on the steps outside the church for the executives of his factory, and he kills three of them. Uh, so we've got the severe in eye trauma in front of a huge crowd of people I in know. front of a church. Like, I know, I know. Wow, it's it's wild, it's wild. And you know, he he stabs the soldier's sword into the eye of one guy, Ugh. hacks him with a with a little hatchet that he's got, like smashes a skull or two, um, and one of their yeah, wives. I too, mean, right? that, one of their wives. Yeah, and so. That's the goriest scene in the movie by far. Such a shocking way to do it, too. It's shocking, yeah. It's like that part, um, it kind of reminds me of the part in The Burning, you know, because it's always like the unexpected thing to do in a horror movie. It's like you don't, you kill people one-on-one in a horror movie. You don't do it in front of a crowd of people. Oh, right, you don't, in the boat, you don't, right. You don't kill people in the daytime, you know, in a horror movie. Mm-hmm. That's why that scene yeah. in The Burning was so shocking. So, yeah, this was a pretty ballsy thing to do. As far as The Burning goes, I've only seen that scene. Really. <laughs> I've never seen the whole movie. It's That's fun. one of my blind spots. So I know it's, it was kind of a Friday the 13th ripoff, but it's um, fun. I like that one. Yeah. And doesn't, it, it's like, I'm right though. It's like in a canoe or something yeah. like that or a mm-hmm. boat. They just yep. slaughters like five Slaughter, people. Like four with or five a, people. Yeah. Yeah. I'll see it one of these days. <laughs> but yeah, that's, so that's what I think makes the next scene so scary at first. Because he just keeps, he just kind of escapes the oh, scene, yeah, yeah. and he he's looking in through the mirror, in through the mirror, through the window of this place, and people are having a Christmas party in there, and he's sort of enjoying watching them, and these two guys come out who are obviously 
have been having some Christmas cheer and they bring him in. And there's this moment where the people, everyone starts sort of rushes up to him and he reaches behind his back and he's holding his hand there. And the ax isn't there because it was left at the scene, but you're like, what's he going to do? Yeah. What's he got now? And uh, then they start bringing him. They they like welcome him. Yeah. They they give him some to drink. They invite the children to come and play with him. And they, and he and it just so totally changes that whole movement. And it actually becomes kind of a sweet scene. It's mm-hmm. so crazy that those scenes are back to back. You know that you go from this extreme violence to the scene where you're kind of like, oh, that's that's kind of neat. <laughs> I don't know, but it it works for me. It feels like the the weird thing that's going on in his head, like with that scene before, like he was just doing what Santa does and like punishing the naughty. I guess is that yeah. is that what he's thinking? And now he's I think kind so. Of, now he's going around and just being Santa and yeah, being yeah. being that character that's um, that everybody recognizes that everybody loves that can bring good cheer to you know and the situation and you know dance around with everybody, dance around with the kids mm-hmm. and with the with the women there at the party and just sure bring a little moment of of happiness to their evening yeah. to their Christmas party. Yeah, but it totally, yeah, inter- it totally makes sense. <laughs> honestly, yeah, totally. <laughs> And they they intercut it with the fact that we see that the investigation police have been called mm-hmm. in, obviously, for the other for the murders in front of the church, and so that investigation is started. But then it goes back, and like before he leaves the Christmas party, I, I wrote down this whole speech because I think what he says to the children is it's, just like it's so wrong. <laughs> it's it's wild. He says, "I want you to remember to stay good, boys and girls." Respect your mothers and fathers and do what they tell you. Obey your teachers and learn a whole lot. Now, if you do this, I'll make sure you get good presents from me every year. But if you're bad boys and girls, your name goes in the bad boys and girls book and I'll bring you something horrible. (laughs) It's just like, and then he just sort of, ho, 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 ho. It's like. Oh my gosh, it's so I know. <laughs> Again, it's that razor's edge that the the tension just stays on for this movie where you kind of get comfortable with him again and then mm-hmm. it just snaps back to this he could go and do something crazy at any moment. It's not the same thing where you can you see you see what he's capable of and you mm-hmm. don't know when that's going to come out again or against who, like who who yeah. deserves it in his mind. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And where I think that's why the structure point? I think that that's a good point because that makes the structure work where it goes back and forth between these moments of danger and moments of of sort of relaxation. Like you said, I mean, it's hard to use the word empathy for someone like Harry, but it's, it is there, you know, because you get it in a lot of ways. You don't necessarily understand the violence, but you... I, I think I think there's a sense that you understand why he does it in his deluded mind. This is Santa punishing, um, you know, that old school Santa punishing. Yeah. Well, this was obviously somebody that had some kind of a break at a young age and never got help mm-hmm. for it. You know, you can empathize with that in a way. Like he obviously needed some help pretty early on, and just it it's gone too far. Finally, yeah, yeah. And then someone proposes a toast to Santa Claus uh, that, you know, all the 
party goers cheer. Obviously, they don't believe he's the real Santa Claus, but it reinforces his delusions, right? And mm-hmm. so he's like, oh, to me, I'm <laughs> Santa, right? <laughs> uh, it's me. Yeah, and then, then it switches back to him, you know, going to punish Frank, his co-worker. <laughs> That's another funny scene. <laughs> It is. So he tries to go down the chimney. Yeah. And he gets stuck. He gets stuck. Uh, I mean, he just remembers his father doing it. I mean, he, this legend of, you know, Santa Claus coming down the chimney, that is, of course, impossible because chimneys aren't built the with that as a just open flue that goes straight down yeah. like that. Uh, so it's funny because he's got these sort of childlike delusions, but then the fantasies shatter a little bit mm-hmm. when he cannot do what is in his head to do. But then he sneaks in through a window instead. I like when um, he like falls out. <laughs> he like kind of falls off on the roof on his back. <laughs> just kind of, yeah, just kind of silly. Yeah, and you see see like the 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 batting on the on the roof. You know? right. <laughs> <laughs> but. This was probably filmed in the middle of summer or something, right? right? You know, uh, so yeah, their snow budget was not a big one. Let's put it that way. <laughs> uh, not 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 the most realistic snow in the world, but hey. But I mean, it's funny because you know his kids see him putting the presents under the tree, and he kind of smiles at them and uh, passes their room, and he's looking in. Aw, how sweet! I'm gonna go kill your father. You know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> This is a really the way this plays out is like kind of creepy to me too. I think just because of the wife's reaction, yeah, is so weird to yeah. me. But it works because he because he Harry tries to smother him at first, mm-hmm. and then he slashes his throat with like a tree topper. Yeah, and then when the wife wakes up and you know her husband's like body is there, she can't. She she opens her mouth like she's trying to scream and she can't, and it's so. Yeah. It's so wrong. It just feels it's like so off. Something is off about it. And it's those weird details that yeah. make movies interesting. Yeah. yeah. I was like, well, that just feels wrong. <laughs> I don't like that. And, it's yeah, almost creepier than if she had just like had let out a blood curdling scream. scream, you know? Yeah. It's so much more it creepy. Is. And there's a reality to it too, because mm-hmm. that happens, you know, people or people are unable to produce a sound. Especially um, when you just woke one up. Yeah. 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 Uh, th- there's also a weird thing that Harry says before he starts smothering Frank. He says, you want it all, Frank, but you're no longer a child. And this is from a guy who's feeding into these childish delusions himself. It's very odd. I mean, it's got a lot of meanings to that because, I mean, obviously Harry is loving children and trying to give ge- good things to children. It's like, but because you're not a child, I can kill you. But he's not realizing that he also is no longer a child. Like he's above hmm. that or separated from that somehow because he's quote unquote Santa Claus. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it deep, man. It deep. <laughs> this movie's um, going deep places. It, it is because, I, you know, and again, I think f- the first time I saw it, I was sort of thrown by the budgetary constraints of the movie. And I was seeing too much of that and not really, it was also very late at night, but I, I wasn't letting myself sort of attach on to what it's really saying. You know, I, and I think that's one of the things about a lot of low budget movies. I mean, you look at like... <laughs> Roger stuff Roger Corman was doing in the 60s 
ultra low budget stuff, but he was really making movies that were about something. You look at something yeah. like The Intruder or the William Shatner movie, which is totally about racism in the South. And when no one wanted to make a movie about racism, <laughs> uh, there are all these, and not just that, I mean, even in, in the horror films and the biker movies, there were deeper things going on. I think exploitation, because you don't have to deal so much with like a rating system and um, you don't have to worry so much. Your budget's low enough. If you don't make a ton of money, you're still okay. There's something to be said about being able to really put a lot of thought into it. You know, there's sort of the paper is cheaper than film mentality. So you really have your script in hand. You really have your plans laid out for what the thing's going to look like. And, you know, you can rehearse and get these characters down before you roll. There's really something to be said for this style of filmmaking. Yeah. Um, That's not as prevalent anymore because, uh, I mean, it's out there, but I mean, the sort of the direct-to-video model that we have now, there's a, there's a difference, or direct-to-streaming, for these kinds of movies. It, I don't know if you get movies like this with that, though. And this movie, it didn't have to be this kind of movie, you know? Like, if they were just trying to make no. a Christmas horror movie with a you killer Santa. Deadly Night. Yeah, you do something like that. But when you actually take the time to make it a little bit that's that's what makes it interesting and that's what makes yeah. these a uh, movie last i mean i would definitely watch this before silent night deadly night because there's more more to it i mean there's enough of yeah. like the gore to like make your the horror part of you happy you know for the if you're trying to sure. watch some christmas horror but i mean when it i i, I just always appreciate movies like that i can't think of there's one i know of uh that I just I can't think of what it is right now, but just ones where it's like you know you didn't have to put this much thought into this low budget horror movie, but you did, and that's what makes it special, and that's yeah. exactly what this movie does. And not everybody does put <laughs> this much into their no. low budget horror movie, but <laughs> but it's you know very when it does happen, it's when it does. Yeah. really unique. Yeah, and I'm so glad that this movie has sort of been rediscovered. You know, thanks to Vinegar Syndrome and Shudder, who have put it on streaming every year. I think for the past several, it's been on shutter. So it's just kind of cool that it's out there and people continue to discover it. I know that John Squires, my editor over at bloody disgusting, when I sent him a pitch to do a piece on this, he was like, talk about my favorite Christmas horror movie. Yes, please. (laughs) So he's like a huge champion of this movie. And it's moving to get up there it for me there. too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, so we move on to Christmas Day, uh, and then you know Phil and his family seeing the news reports, <laughs> and they just know it's him. <laughs> you know, they they just know it was Harry. Uh, yeah. I I uh, I like the yeah. talk that he has with his wife mm-hmm. when he's um, Phil when he's kind of talking about basically being his older brother's keeper. You know, it's like, yes. like that's not what he wanted to do. Like he wanted an older brother. To look up yeah, to, I actually, and he never had that. That's a good exactly. touch wrote, to put it I, for his character, for both of them. That's another thing I wrote down in entirety in, in the notes here. Oh, really? <laughs> says, <laughs> okay. Say, w- why won't you understand? I wanted an older brother, somebody to look up to, to be proud of, to talk to. My brother is an emotional cripple. I'm his keeper, responsible mm-hmm. for everything he does. I mean, and he's Jeffrey DeMunn. He delivers that so <laughs> wonderfully, too. And it's it's you... 
Ugh, you feel his pain so much. And another like funny part of the movie, like the image that I always knew <laughs> from this movie is the the Santa lineup. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that's 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 <laughs> the hilarious. Yeah, and the Santa lineup feels like it's been put into a lot of other movies because I've seen that in yeah. I think it's been in the Santa Claus and various other movies as well. Oh, probably, yeah. I don't know that they necessarily took it from this, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's but just a funny image, obviously. It's it like, is. It really all is. All those Santa Clauses yeah. being <laughs> a police lineup. It's just, it's something yeah. that was wrong, but funny about it. Yeah. So, I mean, when he goes back to the toy factory on Christmas morning and he just starts breaking the toys, like he just gets so angry that they're so cheap and they just turns on the conveyor belt so they all fall on the ground yeah. and break. And he's like watching it from above on that scaffolding. Mm-hmm. So, that, and we're actually put into his point of view to watch them fall. I think that is really good directing because, again, we're being forced to see things through his eyes sometimes, but not in a killer POV sort of way, not in like the Friday the 13th sense or Halloween sense mm-hmm. or Black Christmas sense. Instead, it's, it's just that moment where we're just sort of forced into into seeing what he sees is um, is really smart direction, I think. There's a discussion after this between the police where they say, um, you know, maybe our Santa's going to do some good after all. You know what I'm talking about? And he says, you know, give the myth back its meaning. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's just a, hmm, I don't know. Uh, it's like he'll make the kids scared again. <laughs> They won't think everything's coming to them so easy. They're bad. And then he just slices his finger across his throat. Mm-hmm, right. Santa will get him. <laughs> yeah, that's at the lineup. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is at the lineup. That could be another thing about how, you know, giving Christmas back its meaning too. You know, that it's not yeah. just about getting whatever you want, you know, in terms of actual, like, just stuff and things. Right. But just uh, the being a good person and being good to other people. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so the there's another mirror scene that's up here next, right? Where Harry calls Phil and says, you know, I read a poem that every day you shave, you see yourself one day closer to dying. The, I'm going to play my tune now. Everybody will dance. You'll see. You know, he's going to play his tune. Yikes. <laughs> that just has a... It's, it's it's weird and poetic and scary. I don't know. Just You know that there's this inevitability that Harry thinks he's going to die. He plans to die, I think. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like, do you think yeah. it's... Okay. That's what I was thinking. And like, do you think that means that he's going, not going to survive this Christmas mm-hmm. day? I yeah. I, so. I, don't, I, don't yeah. Think, I don't think he thinks he is. And, you know, when we get to the end, we can discuss, does he? <laughs> um <laughs> But I there's a great shot here though the Christmas night thing, it's just empty. Is it the same thing that I'm talking about? I wrote this. Where, too. It might be. It's just like the street is just lined with those light up plastic yes. Santas and stuff. I love that. <laughs> it is such a great shot, and he's walking up the street. You know, it's sort of a long shot, and so you see him doing that, and there's snow all over and everything, and he's just alone on this empty street. I just find that to be a really interesting shot. 
Yeah, I did too. Because I was like, I was like, I, I don't know why this really works for me. Because it's like, I don't know. It's just it's all the light. Because it's those um those big plastic like figurines that you put out the yard decorations. You know that you put out of like the reindeer and everything. And it's just mm-hmm. it's so many of them right after another on this one street. Yeah. That it's just I don't I don't know. I had to wrote that down too. It was like I don't know what it is, but I just I love this shot. Yeah, it's almost like the street was paved just for him. Yeah. <laughs> it was there just because they knew he was coming and uh, but then he, the children that see him this is one of the really famous moments uh, yeah. as well and they're they're all excited the parents are freaking out you know these children know things that obviously you don't understand anymore they love me they want someone to notice who's good and bad someone to guide them someone to take responsibility so they don't have to make those decisions themselves he is talking about parents mm. <laughs> you know he thinks yeah. he's talking about santa claus but he's talking about parents and these parents seem to be doing those things you know and he is not giving them credit for that and i think that's sad he cannot he thinks that it has to be this external thing uh that's Far from their lives, you know, 363 days of the year, yeah. right? But it's something that is near them already in their in their parents. And, you know, their parents, you know, try to protect them. But then the kids sort of guard him. The, the parents are seen as like the, the bad people in this yeah. scene. It's, it's so weird because the kids are trying to protect Santa Claus because yeah. the parents the, see him. They obviously see like the state that he's in. There's been news reports mm-hmm. that like don't trust anybody mm-hmm. that's dressed like Santa. So they obviously know that this is the guy. Yeah. But it's the way that it's played out. Like the, I love the scene when the kids just kind of like surround him and yeah. are like, no, don't hurt Santa. And again, it's, it's kind of one of those weirdly sweet moments. Yeah. Yeah. Even though, I mean, he's about to have a switchblade brought to him by one of these kids. You know, that, <laughs> Susie's dad. that's the picture. <laughs> Whenever they show Christmas Evil, uh, this, the stock picture that they use on Bloody Disgusting is the one of Santa holding the switchblade up next to his head, mm-hmm. next to his face. That shot, it's so brief, but it's like, Again, it, it's that sense of fear again. Because, and then he kind of goes after the kid's dad and he gets stabbed, but he's got all that padding on him. So it just sort of rips his coat. Yeah. And there's a very old school Frankenstein being chased by the villagers with torches moment. Here. Literal torches. <laughs> Literal torches. Where they got those torches, I'm not really yeah, sure. I have no idea. <laughs> But I don't cool, care though, I because it's I know, so I don't care. evocative. <laughs> I mean, do, doesn't it just make it feel like Frankenstein or the Wolfman or something? Absolutely. And, yeah. Yeah. And it's so cool. So this mob literally carrying torches starts going after him in the van and he drives back to Phil's house. And, you know, when when Phil sees him and just goes, oh, God, it is you, isn't it? Uh, you know, he, he was like hoping that it wasn't him. He knew um, that it was, though. He knew that he knew that it was, and just to have his suspicions confirmed like that, it was just—it's just devastating to see the look on his face, though. Because after yeah. what he said about wanting an older brother to look up to, and <laughs> there he is. Now you, now been, you have an older brother that's a killer Santa Claus. Yeah, and he's got the—he's been stabbed in the face with the pin at this point from the lady's brooch. Um, yeah. From the brooch. That was yeah. an interesting little choice. It's, yeah, but I mean, it gives him this spot of blood on his face. And his face is so gaunt and kind of gray at this point in the movie. 
he kind of looks like a Frankenstein monster under the beard and everything like that. I mean, his yeah. clothes are have been torn and gotten very dirty by this point. And um, yeah, he just looks, you know, his face, like I said, just being so sallow and everything at this point. And the, you're blaming me for something I said when I was six <laughs> part. And he starts strangling it. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't expecting that. No, no. So his wife sees all this from behind the banister, just like when they were kids and they saw the whole, the vantage point at the beginning of the movie. So it's the same vantage point as that, as he, as she is watching her husband strangle his brother. It's, 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 again, it's those great callbacks and these sort of great directorial choices that show how much thought was put into this thing. And uh, dragging him back to the van, puts him in the driver's seat. Harry comes to and punches him out, which is uh, interesting. How he does that (laughs) backhanded like that. Why does he drag him back into the van? I think he's going to turn him in and he doesn't want to, you know, if he's, if he's dead, he doesn't want to get (laughs) blamed for it. Maybe. That's true. I don't know. You know, I think that's what's going on. Yeah. That's such a weird cut when he goes to to punch him. It really is. It's it's weird. It doesn't work. <laughs> no, it, the it's, angle. It's, yeah, it's, the angle of his hand. The is angle all wrong. is very weird. Um, so it's just kind of like what they had to do. <laughs> it's like, what else can we do? There's yeah, well. not really an option. So logic is dull. Let's just do this. Okay, <laughs> it's a movie. Movie logic. Yeah. Well, now, except for speaking this. Of, speaking of scene. logic being dull. <laughs> except for um, the last scene. Yeah. Okay. So the mob appears around the corner. He drives off the bridge. His brother falls his, down his, the hill, his, his hill. And all the boxes that were playing in the yeah. snow and <laughs> fall over. The snowy hill fall out. Yeah. <laughs> they bounce out. Um, Oops. But then what's funny is they show him at the bottom of the ravine. And um, there are like all these cardboard boxes and garbage bags yeah. around. <laughs> it's like. It's like, yeah, we're, we're just not going to try. Yeah, maybe it was just a garbage dump. It's like, it's just a garbage dump. It's just a garbage dump and the snow. So, I mean, that's sort of a nice way. Okay, we're going to cover our continuity a little bit here. They tried to make it um, work. It's, it's funny, but, you know, it's, it's come on. How, I don't know how much they made this movie for, but it wasn't a lot. Yeah. So, but when this the van driving off the edge of the bridge and then it flies off into the night toward the moon and i heard him exclaim there he drew her out of sight merry christmas to all and to all a good night the end and i was like huh the first time i watched this i remember texting you when this happened and we had this little discussion we tried to because you don't really know, because it's the same thing as in the very first scene of the movie. You don't know it really is. what to yes. believe. What is real and what is not. Yeah. That is the whole, it's part of, I think, what makes this movie so fun to revisit, too. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, what is the delusion and what is the reality? So what do you think? Does he die or not? Yes. I agree. He died. <laughs> there is and only... Is... One reaction shot from anybody that's not Harry, it's his brother, and he is kind of looking up, I'll say, like when the van goes over. But I mean, that could just be, I mean, it's very quick. So it could just be him watching the van go over and then crash. And not, but yeah. it, but it, the way that it's cut, it kind of implies, you know, that he's watching it fly off. Yeah, fly off. But I don't think that's what's happened because, yeah, the, no. just because it's the same as the the opening scene, like nothing else in the movie has 
had that reality questioned except for that scene you know like yeah. when when the illusion was shattered and when mm-hmm. it became real finally in his mind i think is what right is what's happening yeah when, when really he's fin- crashing and dying in his final moments he is fully devoted to his fantasy yes and he flies off into the night wishing merry christmas to all and to all the good night <laughs> my favorite review of a friend that I have on Letterboxd for this movie is from Daniel Epler, who always has some great things to say. Hey, Daniel. It's it's one sentence. Screw it. I'm taking that ending literally. <laughs> Which I say, Daniel, good for you. Good for you. Um, good for you. And and that's the one of the great things about the movie is that you kind of can if you want to. Uh, if you... Yeah. You can view this movie how, and that's that's one of the things I love about about art that has ambiguities in it like this is that it can be interpreted in any way you want, um, and it's not wrong necessarily. You know, I think that's so much more interesting than having everything spelled out for you so thoroughly. Yeah, that's one of the things I love about like The Innocence is one of my favorite horror films. One of, my, and that's another one that's become a, a favorite over a very short amount of time is because the way when you get to the end you're, you there's so much uncertainty as to whether what they saw was real or not and and I love that and I love that here too because we had that discussion it was where where Phil's you said but Phil's reaction shot and I'm like <laughs> yeah I know I don't I don't know maybe he was going real fast and that bridge you know just sort of he had a little bit of height you know kind of like when Thelma yeah. and Louise go off the end of the Grand Canyon there um, you know hey they could have bounced they could have flown <laughs> off we don't know what happens after that fade to white right um, besides the fiery crash at the bottom of the Grand Canyon that obviously happens right but <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm teasing, but I mean, but again, we don't, we don't see the, the inevitable, but it's a great moment, right? It's so much better to leave it like this than to see it crash. Or do you want to believe that, you know, from that first scene, maybe Harry does uh, have some kind of... uh, intuition into some kind of magical thing that's going on and he is slowly becoming santa claus <laughs> you know i mean that could very well Maybe. be a thing there you go he actually literally truly becomes santa claus mm-hmm. and you know just like you know he he like tim allen's his way into the suit somehow and gets all the magic because the real Santa says, "All right, here you go, Harry. Yeah. You believe you obvious, so purely yeah, that I'm going to give believe. it to you. There you, you there should you be go. the new Santa, sure. Yeah, there you go. Um, I don't know. It, it's obviously, no, he I, dies. but like, like I said, we we both tend to <laughs> believe that he does in fact die. That, um, but I mean, it makes but I, that ending. I think makes sense because the whole movie is from harry's perspective anyway perspective. so mm-hmm. it wouldn't make any sense really it would make less sense to me if they had showed the van crashing you know what i mean yeah because that's yep. not what was going on in his mind and what's going on in his mind yep. is that he's actually becoming santa claus and flying off into the night on his sleigh yeah and it also gives the end of the movie a little bit of an uplift it does you know it it, it, it kind of le- lets you leave the theater or you know your viewing of it with a sense of joy yeah, and, <laughs> in a and weird like, way. Yeah, hey, in a weird way, and then and then it cuts into that version of Santa Claus is coming to town. That's sort of like a jazz version of it. That's really upbeat. 
I mean, come on. <laughs> I actually, at the end of this movie, I I feel really good. And it's it's one of the weirdest things because like like at the end of most Christmas horror movies, you you don't really feel that way. You know, it, there's a there's a sense of darkness about the end of most Christmas horror movies. I mean, look, look at Krampus. I mean, that's a dark freaking yeah. ending. Maybe because there is that little bit of empathy for Harry throughout the movie. Like this mm-hmm. ending is kind of like like good for him or something or like yay there's like there's like a happy ending for him like and you kind of want that for him because he is such a sad character that this is his his happy ending that you can at least take some joy in that maybe i don't know exactly well i mean you've come to understand him enough that you're willing to give him a happy ending willing to let him have a happy ending even though he's done done. some pretty nasty stuff but hey if you look at it from a certain point of view Every single person that dies kind of had it coming. They were naughty. They deserved to they be punished. They were naughty. They needed to be punished. <laughs> <laughs> was it right that it was by him? Not so much. But no. yeah, he didn't He didn't hurt any good people. Just the bad ones. Only the nasty capitalists, right? But anyway, Christmas Evil. Woo! Very cool movie. I'm glad, I'm glad you liked it so much that you finally got me to watch it. Because yeah, this has kind of moved up as one of my favorite Christmas horror movies now too. Very cool, very underseen, underloved movie. And I know I've kind of been shit talking uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night a bit. I I don't hate it. I've I've there are things I like about it, but it is a really mean kind of nasty movie. So that is why I draw the comparison because this is not that movie. It doesn't feel mean and nasty. There's an element of humor and fun and I guess even weird joyfulness at times in this movie uh, that make it sort of a complex viewing experience where that one, I mean, you see what three Santas killed in front of you in that movie uh, in front of children or two, two are two Santas are shot in front of children in that movie. Um, I haven't so seen that's it so fun. long. I don't remember. The, just some of the things that happen in in that movie. It's just like, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's some there's some memorable things. You're know, like Linnea Quigley being impaled on a rack of antlers, and you know everyone talks about that. But there's there's a lot in that movie that I'm just like, yeah, I feel gross. I feel really well, really icky yeah, after first, watching that movie. The first scene. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Awful. I mean, they actually cut that down in Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2 because they show a bunch of, of the first movie in that. Yeah. But it's not nearly as nasty because they cut out some of the most egregious, nasty stuff. Uh, so <laughs> um, for somehow that movie is so much more fun, <laughs> even though even though it's sort of redundant in a lot of ways. So we had a couple of other, uh, like, Chris, some of our favorite maybe recent favorite Christmas horror movies that we wanted to mm-hmm. recommend real quick because we're somehow we managed to go three hours on these two movies. <laughs> I know. How do we do that? I don't know. I don't know. Um, so just another one real quickly that I'll mention that I really, I'm really excited to watch again actually this year because I haven't seen it since it came out or since it started to become really popular and people started talking about it was from uh, 2017 Anna and the Apocalypse. Yes. And I mean, all you really need to know about this one, if you haven't seen it yet, is just the basic description of it. It's uh, it's a British Christmas zombie musical. And I mean, why would you not want to watch that? Because <laughs> it's got, I mean, it, 
It's amazing. It has it has all the 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 right elements of a Christmas movie, a zombie movie, and a musical, and it like just melds yep. them together so well. It's like it's gory enough that you're gonna love it as a uh-huh. zombie movie. The musical parts of it are really good and the funny and well really done, good. and the, the songs are actually good. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. absolutely, if you haven't seen that yet, um, check that I one think it out. Would be it's amazing. such a joy. It just kind of has a heartwarming thing about Christmas too. It's so <laughs> there's parts of it that like almost made me cry. I remember, I think. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I haven't seen it in a little bit either, but I think it would be amazing if this was actually put on as a stage musical. I would love to see that. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely love to see that. So we'll see. You know that cult. Of this movie was going to keep rising and eventually maybe that'll happen. But yeah, here's hoping. So uh, for me, I'm going to pick, man, this is probably of sort of like modern uh, Christmas horror movies, you know, in the last 15 years or so. This is probably my favorite. And it's also a killer Santa movie, but it's a real different kind of twist on the Christmas Santa, on the killer Santa movie. It's called Rare Exports, A Christmas Tale. And it's a, I think it's a Danish film? I want to say Danish. I want to say, yeah. yeah. Uh, from 2010, directed by Yalmari Hellander, I think. Sure. Yes, it has this sort of horror conceit that these, um, that Santa is really frightening and they're digging up these these miners or this big mining company is is digging into this mountain and trying to release this. Uh, this might be Norwegian, actually. I'm not sure. I... Sorry. If I, who whoever whoever knows, I, I wrote it down in something. Finish. Okay. <laughs> is it? Might be. I wrote I wrote an article on this and I can't remember what finish yes <laughs> what okay. it, what it was okay it was finished okay sorry so ignore everything else about that I said of its country of origin because it's finished as in Finland and and so they're digging into this mountain and it it awakens something and they find this guy with a long white beard and they keep him trapped and they discover he like tries he can like smell children. And he tries to eat them and steal them and kidnap them. And so it's really, though, the story of a son and his father in this environment. And it's so good. I I was shocked by how good this was. It is. Uh, I I thought it was going to be just kind of a, again, a killer Santa movie. And it's not really. It has this sort of wild animal element of these wild santas and what the real santa is like the head there these are actually like elves and what the real santa is is more like krampus it's really cool and what and sort of the commercialization and changing of those legends into something else uh, to make them more palatable for the masses and that definitely plays into this movie as you go along as well and the ending is a is a banger it's it's just chilling and just funny and <laughs> twisted and all of the things that that I like in a good horror movie. Um, I'm trying to remember because I ha- this is another one I haven't seen in years. I got to rewatch this one I'll, this I'll, year too. I don't remember how it ends. I, I don't want to spoil it. I can don't. tell you yeah, after don't. we finish recording. <laughs> but it's so good. If you haven't seen Rare Exports, 
check it out. Uh, I have a piece on Bloody Disgusting about it, too, from the same year that I wrote about Christmas Evil, actually. Uh, so four good movies for you to Absolutely. take a look at if you haven't seen um, if, you, if you haven't seen any of these. Uh, if you like a good sort of a, a little bit of, uh, I don't know, shall we say whiskey in your eggnog, <laughs> a little bite added in there, you might enjoy these you know so in between all the great uh, holiday movies the scrooges and the christmas vacations and it's a wonderful life you know throw on any of these four and yeah. i think you'll add some zombies to it different why not to watch yeah exactly <laughs> we're horror fans so that's kind of what we want sometimes sorry yeah. well we we were just like let's let's do something different let's do some some horror uh holiday horror is is one of those great sort of juxtapositions of these two very disparate ideas that just yeah. somehow work so well together. Yeah. Uh, so nice, I mean, nice we, bittersweet chocolate. We went <laughs> nice for our Thanksgiving movies. So mm-hmm. let's do a little bit more mean for our Christmas movies. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then um, the episode after this, uh, we don't really have anything to tease because we're just going to do a little bonus kind of wrap up thing for. Yep. Two years, two years we've been doing this two podcast years. now, which that's right. Like time is weird, and I can't believe that. But time that's, is weird. Go us, hey, yeah. still going strong. One of the things we're gonna try and do in that is we're gonna see if we can put in the favorite movies that we've seen in twenty of twenty twenty two of this year. We're gonna do our actual discoveries episodes separately, yeah. but we're not gonna include movies from twenty twenty two this year just so we can talk about more movies. Uh, talking <laughs> about more I, movies is always better. It's always better. I because I think I have a feeling if I was to put the movies from twenty twenty two in my discoveries list, I would probably include at least two from this year. And I kind of want to save those spots for movies that are a little bit older um, that maybe people haven't picked up on yet or haven't thought about in a while. Okay. Uh, We're going to do the socials real quick. Uh, We are recording this at the, in the sort of (laughs) middle of November. Um, The Elon Musk has run Twitter for about two weeks now. Yeah, it's been about two weeks. So we have no idea what's going to happen by the time this episode goes live. So we have, you can now find me at BrianWaves42 on Twitter for now, Letterboxd, and Instagram. Yes, I am over on Instagram now, which I was not until about two weeks ago. Yeah, there we go. Speaking of Christmas movies, there we go. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I want to be an advocate for the next time we do a Christmas movie, we maybe we should do action ones. And I say I have Cobra. The perf- I have the perfect one. Cobra is a Christmas movie. That's my pick. Then I would do The Long Kiss Goodnight. There we go. <laughs> That's a double for that you can look forward to. You'll probably yeah. forget about it by the time this next year. So we'll just have to think about that. All right. <laughs> yeah. And Michelle, where, they, where, where can you be found? Um, I don't, Yeah, like. If Twitter's still around, I guess you can find me at Michelle in Egan and on Instagram. I'm just Michelle Egan and and a letterbox. Sure. Now and yeah, and on letterbox too. Come, I don't and on letterbox. I don't really okay. do anything because I've logged movies, so don't think you're going to be talking to me yeah. or anything there. So yeah, I mean, letterbox is one that's it's really hard to have a social yeah aspect to it. It's not much on there, but 
Hey, you can find the show currently on Twitter at Movie Life Pod, but you can also find it on Instagram now at Movie Life Pod. Yes, we were able to keep the same handle. Awesome. Good, so yeah. We'll post like, uh, you know, same thing kind of we do on Twitter. We'll have little teases for what the next episode is going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, please yep. follow us there and yep. let us know what you think. As always, you know, like if, wherever you're listening to the show, give us rate and review. We really appreciate mm-hmm. and love those. And uh, be somewhat patient with me. I have never used Instagram <laughs> until, you know, this week. So... I'm working on it. I'll I'm, get it figured out. I'm just going to leave you in charge of the podcast Instagram to let you figure it out. <laughs> See what you do with I it. I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, I've actually posted things on there already, and it's only I'm been up for a day. so proud of so, you. Uh, and I hope everyone has very nice holiday season and whatever way you celebrate that, whatever that looks like for you. I hope it's a great time of year for you this year. That was very sweet, Brent. Oh, okay. I agree. So no. what are we going <laughs> to... Sorry, I'm, dra- y- 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 I'm draining. Y- <laughs> Have a good holiday season, everybody. Woohoo. <laughs> That's because you work in retail. <laughs> That's true. It doesn't really mean and as much I... to me anymore. <laughs> See, I'm I'm a school teacher, so I get those weeks off. So nah. it's a great time of year for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so anyway, happy holidays, everyone. What are we going to do? We will see you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.